Here's your host, Michael Ball. And a good day to you on this Tuesday, wherever you're listening, however you're listening. Thanks for making us part of your day. We know you got choices. We're happy you choose us. I am Michael Ball, but people call me Ballsy. On the other side of the glass, the best producer in the business by a country mile, Sean Kleisinger, wearing his Milwaukee Bucks hat. Hard to believe when I say defending NBA champs they are, but it is true. And oh, yeah, say that again. Say that defending again. <laughs> NBA champs, and they're playing some great ball. Uh, there's curling going on in Prince George. Kerry Anderson's rink uh, endeavoring to go to 4-2, and two, playing 4-1 and one Japan. Now, they had the hammer in the fourth, and they were set up for two. They went to commercial. I didn't see what the score is, but we'll update you as soon as we know. There's SJHL playoff hockey tonight. All the quarterfinals resume. Yorkton and Melfort are tied at a game apiece. Humboldt and LaRange are tied at a game apiece. Esteban and Notre Dame are tied at a game apiece. And the Battlefords have a nice 2-0 series lead as they head up to the Whitney Forum in Flin Flon. This is an interesting... Pat's play tonight. We're going to talk to Dante DiCaria before uh, 5 o'clock, actually before 4.30 about that game. And this is an interesting story. So I know you're a big UFC fan. I'm a casual UFC fan. Welterweights, uh, Jorge Masvidal and uh, Colby Covington, uh, they fought recently and Covington won a unanimous decision. Well, apparently the 25 minutes in the octagon was not enough for Masvidal. Last night... He and his brood jumped Kobe Covington, knocked his tooth out, and yeah, unbelievable. so unbelievable. He was out. Uh, he was out hanging out with those uh, YouTube guys. Uh, what are their names? The, the Pauls? No, not the Pauls. Uh, hold on here. I'm trying to find it. The uh, is it the Milk Brothers or the? What are their names? Hold on here. I gotta find it. It's in my story here. This is embarrassing that I didn't know. Anyway, yeah, they, the Nelk boys. Nelk. They're the guys that, one of them's Canadian, and they're hanging out with this dude uh, with Covington in Miami, and yeah, they get jumped. And for once, I do agree with Jake Paul. Masvidal is a little, I won't say it, for ambushing Cole, uh, Colby. Couldn't hurt him in the cage, so tried to blindside him. So Masvidal's getting all lit up. Those guys were buddies. They hung out. They lived together for a while. And then they had a, a bad breakup. And so apparently, is this guy got to go to jail now? Like, he can't be jumping people. I, I have mean, no idea. It almost has a WWE feel to it. It does? Kind of has a WWE feel to it. Like, it's like, is this real? Isn't it real? But got to give the UFC credit. And if it, is a, if it is a job, they are taking it to the next level. We're back here live on TSN. I'm trying to see what the score is. I think it's 2-2. 2-2? Two, two. Two, two? Yeah. No, 4-2 four, two, four, Canada. 4-2 two. Two, Canada picked up. Zinger. Yeah, Never. Yeah, not when it comes to curling. Zinger, nope. everything else. Else. Uh, Canada playing the Yellow Rocks gets two in the fourth, and Kerry Anderson's rink is up four to two, looking to move into a tie in first place with Japan. All right. Uh, all our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline. Dinner time, game time, anytime. A great time to call Western Pizza. Call them your local Western, uh, Western Pizza. Ask them about their specials. And we got to tell you that our show is brought to you by spreads.ca. Find Finding an excellent online betting site should not be a gamble. Uh, spreads.ca is Canada's premier online betting destination. Uh, hit it, Zinger! You've seen them on the field. Now we dig deep to bring you a closer look at a Riders player with info you'll never find on the stat sheets. This is Profiles. 
All right, we do this segment on our pregame show, but we've spilled it over into the regular sports cages. We're two months out of training camp, and we welcome one of the newest Saskatchewan Rough Riders. This dude's well over six feet. He's around 300 pounds. He's a building with feet. He has his own area code, Canadian offensive lineman Jamal Campbell. Thanks for joining us, Jamal. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah, we're happy to have you. Have you always been the biggest guy in your circle, like even since you were a little kid? Uh, usually until I got to the CFL. Yeah, okay. So, but when you were growing up as a little kid, were you kind of ostracized? Like, you're the biggest guy in the room, and you think, okay, I'm the bully, I'm the big guy, but sometimes you can get picked on. Were you picked on for being the big guy, Jamal? No, I was usually just the big guy that everyone left alone, and (laughs) usually whenever I see someone getting bullied, I usually help them. Awesome. So, Jamal, how big are your feet? Uh, size... 14 and 15. Okay. Depending on the shoot. Okay. Jamal, how how many cleats do you go through in a season? Uh, last season, I believe I went, I got injured, so I was only, I, I only used three, but usually it depends on about four or five. Okay. Uh, how big are your hands? Uh, I, I don't remember the measurements. It's been a long time since the combine. <laughs> uh, okay. Do you got a big wingspan? Yeah, I have a seven foot wingspan. Wow, that's pretty good, man. That's out. That's outstanding. Okay. That'll help you. That'll help you in the trenches. Hey, speaking of the exactly. combine, we got a lot of. I'm going to have Riley Borsma of the U of R Rams coming up here. He advanced from the Western Combine to the National Combine. How? Oh, wow. uh, yeah. How interesting of a process was that for you? The the whole combine process. Yeah, honestly, you know, good luck and shout out to all the guys going through that right now. Obviously, like that's what we look forward to as you know, university or even um, junior players, you know, getting the opportunity to showcase our talents. But right now, I think it's even more important, you know, coming off of COVID year where um, a lot of players, their regimen and their training has been changed. So just being able to go out there and show scouts that, you know, what you've been working on, I know they're excited and I wish them all the best with the process. This is new offensive lineman for your Saskatchewan Rough Riders, Jamal Campbell. Were you surprised the Argos uh, let you go? Um, I mean, it's the business, right? Um, I love I love football, so at the end of the day, things that go on with the business, you just got to keep moving forward. And right now, you know, that chapter is closed, and I'm looking forward to touching down in Regina. And, you know, I know it's a big year for uh, Ryder fans this year, and, um, you know, we have a lot of work to do. So I'm just excited to get out there and, you know, meet the guys in person and, you know, just get rolling. You had an injury uh, plagued uh uh, last season, you said you alluded to it. Uh, um, you know, how did you deal with that mentally? Because that's never easy as a professional athlete. Your body is your business. Uh, how, how did you get through that? Yeah, for me, I have faith. I, I believe in God. So because I believe in God, I was able to surround myself with the support of my family, my girlfriend, uh, my friends, and honestly, just focus on recovery and focus on you know, well, controlling the controllable and just uh, handling it day by day and. And I was able, and I can say that it's made me. That was a challenge that's made me stronger, and I'm better for that today. I wouldn't say he's my best friend, but I got a wingman here, Sean Kleisinger, my uh, my uh, my uh, and my producer, pardon me. And he just told me, "Ballsy, you're an idiot." It's not Wednesday; it's Tuesday. So uh, the show brought to you by Saskatchewan Lotteries, the main fundraiser for over twelve thousand sport, culture, and recreation groups. Thanks for that, Zinger. So that leads me to my next question, Jamal Campbell. Who's your best friend in football? Uh, my best friend in football. Uh, in football. Usually, uh, that, that's a, that's a hard question. I never really had that. I I don't know. Yeah. Um, hmm. Is there anybody? Okay. Well, here here's here's where I'll go with this. Let's let's voice it in another way. Okay. So 
when I want to talk radio, I'll ask somebody that's been in the business longer than me, which at this stage my career is hard to find. But I, I'll, I'll ask somebody that's been that I respect that's been in it longer than me or that's an equal to me. Is there somebody like that for you? Like you're obviously not going to ask a five foot nine, one hundred and sixty five pound radio host his thoughts on blocking a defensive lineman. But who are you going to ask in your profession? Uh, honestly, shout out J. Michael Dean. Uh, he played with me in uh, Toronto for a few years. He won a, we won a cup together. He won in Ottawa. He's just a great vet, all-around great guy. And, you know, he's really showed me the game and, you know, off the field on how to, like, just what, what I should be doing to get better. And, you know, that's a guy that I always refer to, J. Michael Dean. Okay, so what is Jamal Campbell? First of all, describe to Saskatchewan Rough Rider fans who, who know you. They're passionate, but they maybe didn't really pay attention to the offensive line position because generally they don't. It's not a sexy position, a very valuable one, a key to winning games. But describe your game to Rough Rider fans. Uh, I think we're going to have to disagree on that. I think offensive line is the most sexy position on the field, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but... um. <laughs> Pretty much just know that um, offensive linemen, you know, we're here. We're in the trenches. We don't ask for the glory. We don't ask for – we just we want to do our job. We want to protect the quarterback, and we understand that protecting the quarterback and doing our job, that helps the team. And as long as we're uh, getting better and we're consistent, then we're going to have a good season. Uh, Jamal, though, but your game, what's the strength of your game as you come to Ryder Nation? Um, my strength? Uh, honestly, I just love blocking. I really do love blocking. I, it, it comes natural to me. I love blocking. For those of you who haven't, who haven't seen me play, uh, you can go back and watch how I play, but that's not important. We're moving on to the future now. You're just going to have to come watch us when we start. Yeah, how do you look in green? Oh, I love it. My my girlfriend's favorite color is green, so uh, she's pretty excited about this, and uh, I think it makes me look slimmer in a good way <laughs> okay speaking of that give us your dimensions again how tall we got the we got the foot size we got the wingspan how, how uh, like how what are you tipping the toledos at and uh, you know what do you play at generally so everything online is wrong it was uh those those have been my combine numbers and they haven't updated it since then mm-hmm. uh right now i'm six six and um three three hundred and fifteen pounds i usually play between 305 and 320 uh, right now I'm 315, and uh, I'm going to try to stay around here, uh, not lose too much, and not gain too much over the next month. What is Coach Dickey, Coach Sorrells? What have they told you they expect from you coming in here to Ryder Nation? Um, they just expect that I I come here with the you know willing to work and get better every day and just contribute to the team. Um, you know, um, it's it's really it's really just an opportunity. It's an exciting opportunity. I haven't been anywhere but home. And for me, now I get to go to a place where everyone loves football. I stayed in Saskatchewan for a week when we had uh, we had a away game and we didn't want to go back out east. And I, I, one thing I realized is that everyone bleeds green. Everywhere you go, everywhere is green. So I'm excited to just get my feet on the ground and um, just be embraced in the community and, you know, get things rolling. Are you a community guy, meaning do you like to get out in the community? Because I really think the CFL needs to get back to that. Boots on the ground, get the guys out in the community, get them, you know, maybe that gets them some extra income or whatever, but more than that, just gets them out in the community and known. I mean, obviously, if a guy who's six foot five, 300 and some pounds is walking around, he is not just going to melt into the crowd, so you're going to stand out. But how important is that to you? Oh, it's very important. For me, since I was, I was a kid, I've always been involved in the community, and you know, it's the community and different organizations and people who are passionate who've helped me get to where I am today. And, you know, I can't ever forget that 
So it's very important for me to just connect with people on a uh, on just on a level where you know just getting to know people and um, just hearing people's story and really just just having a conversation. I love having conversations. So you're you're a local guy played for the Argos. They have a they have a passionate but small fan base right now. We're hoping it grows because we really need it for the CFL's future and health. Um, have you thought about coming here though? Like you spent the week. Have you thought about running out of the tunnel? Bring them out. Bring them out. And the fireworks going off. It's great when you're winning. It's uh, you might want to get the girlfriend to go shopping for groceries if you're losing though. It is a fishbowl. Have you thought about that? Yeah, uh, yeah, I thought about that, and you know, I, I chose to consume my mind with uh, things that are going to help me. And right now, um, you know, I, I go, I, I plan on going there, working hard. And we plan on winning. That's what we plan on doing. And, you know, obviously we're going to face obstacles. You know, uh, as, as as good as Saskatchewan as a team, there's also uh, eight other great teams around the league. And, you know, I think our focus is just coming in and preparing to win each game and just uh, getting better every week. And what do you think of the guy you're protecting, Cody Fajardo, the guy who, uh, you know, our O-line, we need to retool it. You're part of that retooling. Uh, what do you think about the guy you're putting your body on the line for? Yeah, I actually know uh, Cody personally. Uh, mm-hmm. We played in Toronto together for a few years, so just uh, just I got, actually had an opportunity to speak with him, and um, you know he's excited and he tells me all the great things about Saskatchewan, and you know I'm just excited to play out here with him again, and you know just really just find my feet. Was it was was he a part of the um, the attraction, and was he part of? Did he act like an agent to try to get you to come out here? Oh, well, one thing about Cody, he's definitely very persuasive and. He's very enthusiastic, and you know I, I could hear it in his voice. Just all the different things, and, and you know he, he related. He, he related well to me because you know he just talked about you know some of the things that we've done together, and how I'll be able to just continue that out there. So definitely, Cody was um you know he he's he's great at he's great at being um he's great at being persuasive. Okay, man. Well, I appreciate your time. Thanks for uh, joining us here inside the cage. I can't wait to meet you in person. Training camp's only two months away. That's hard to believe, but it's very exciting. Thanks for uh, guesting with us, Jamal. Thank you so much, and let's go, Rider Nation. That's right, man. Jamal Campbell, offensive lineman for your Saskatchewan Rough Riders, as he's happy to be here. We're happy to have him. We'll take a break and be joined by Dante DeCaria as he's inside the cage to tee up the Pats game with the Swift Current Broncos. Key one in the playoff chase. You're listening to the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. And on this Tuesday, our show brought to you by Saskatchewan Lotteries, the main fundraiser for over 12,000 sport, culture, and recreation groups. You can get a hold of us, 936-6262. That's the text line. I'll address some texts from our uh, fine listeners directed towards Suits and Mullinder. They'll join us in the 5 o'clock hour. Now, uh... I got to mention our tournament of awesome. We've got two brackets, and the first bracket today is naps or booze. Zinger? Naps all the way. So much better. I'm not much of a drinker, so I'm going to go naps, okay? Uh, Let's head out on the Western Pizza Hotline. All our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline. Good job on Spiro and the gang, the Greek community. They raised $96,000 for an evening in Greece. And we're joined by the great Italian, Dante DeCaria, voice of your Regina Pat. So, Dante, you got to help me out in the Tournament of Awesome. You get two votes here because you won't be around for later in the show. Naps or booze? What moves on in our... uh, in our uh, tournament that mimics March Madness. Naps or booze? I'm going to go with uh, with booze. Booze. Okay, good. That's good. Spoken like a young guy who <laughs> rides the bus for a living. And shoes or sub-sandwiches? Shoes or sub-sandwiches, our shoes. second bracket? 
Shoes. Shoes. How many pairs of shoes you got, Dakaria? Me, um, man, I think eight. Eight. So slightly more than bow ties. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I only had six. Bow ties. Yeah, you said six. I listen to you. Believe it or not, I just don't throw questions out. I listen <laughs> to my guests. Okay. Uh, okay. Take us back to what was. I don't like cutting down sixteen to twenty-year-old kids, but there's no sugarcoating it. That was a horrible loss to the Moose Jaw Warriors. Uh, do you just take that one and throw it in the garbage because you still got some good games ahead of you here? No, there's 12 games left in the season, and I think the team is focused on tonight's game against the Swift Current Broncos, given it is a quote-unquote four-point game, and they've got another meeting upcoming against the Broncos, and you know, three more meetings against teams that they're battling with in the standings, Prince Albert and Swift Current coming up, so those are so important. Obviously, you want to win one or two against the, you know, a Saskatoon or a Brandon upcoming, but uh, they are focused on these upcoming games. Now, as far as Saturday goes, I mean, Michael, they had 17 shots in the third period, and they heavily outshot Bouchon that game. They outshot them 45-33 in that hockey game. Um, they had some, I don't know, some mental brain farts throughout that hockey game that I think costed them. But to be quite honest with you, I mean, Brad Haroff, I was actually quite surprised, came on the postgame show and was very positive despite the 10-4 loss. He said that they controlled the play. They played well for the first you know, 25 minutes of the hockey game and uh, felt they deserved a better result. But uh, again, um, there are some pauses to take out of that game despite the score being 10 4. You do need better goaltending. Hopefully, they get that tonight against Swift Current. Now, if Swift Current's got a few guys playing in that top prospects game. Are they in the lineup tonight or are they already gone for the prospects game? No, they flew out yesterday. Josh Filman, Reed Dick, and uh, Owen Pickford will be in the lineup today. And uh, though, as well, as far as Dick, he wasn't going to play tonight. It's been, you know, Isaac Coulter, their 20-year-old starting goaltender, that's been, you know, receiving most of the load. But it's the two big guys that they're losing out front in Pickering and Filman that uh, is definitely going to be something the patch should take advantage of tonight. But hey, they've got they've called up two top prospects. They've got their you know, number seven overall pick from this year's draft tonight, so it's going to be interesting to see how he plays. I know you're busy, so we'll let you go in a couple seconds here, but for those that uh, maybe will watch that top prospects game tomorrow, just talk about those two Swift Current players that you mentioned. They're filming and Pickering and uh, how uh, how great they are. Well, I'll start off with Pickering. To be quite honest, I've been so impressed with the game. I did interview him earlier in the season. He was just an absolute treat to talk to. The way he spoke, the way he answered questions, the way he talked about, you know, being ranked the top prospect, being slated to go in the top two rounds of this year's NHL draft. And the way he spoke about that, he, you know, he wore it on his shoulders. Like, he embraced it. He liked it. And he kept saying, I want to move up on that list. A lot of guys won't come out and talk about that. Mm-hmm. So I really like the, about Owen Pickering. And uh, he's also a close friend with Matthew Keeper, so I've heard good things about him. But in terms of his play on the ice, he's a six foot five defenseman. He skates so well. He's got a tremendous shot. He's, he's just... Honestly, I think it's his size and his skating ability that makes him kind of jump off the charts. To me, he reminds me of a Colton Pareko-type player, although Pareko didn't play in the WHL. He played Junior A in college, but still similar-type players, in my opinion. And then with Josh Filman, he's a big, you know, grindy, power-forward-type guy. He's a great skater. He's got good hands in front of the net. And um, I don't—I wouldn't say he'd go in the first round, but I do think that he has an opportunity to go in maybe the top three or four rounds for this year's upcoming NHL entry-level draft. And then for next year, I mean, Reed Dick, he's going to be the starting goaltender at 18. This is a, you know, a big goalie with size. I've only seen him play once this year. 
Um, he had to face over 40 shots against the Pats. Yeah, he gave up six goals, but overall, I thought he was really good in that game. This is Dante DeCaria, and he will be on the broadcast tonight, 6.35 pregame show, 7 o'clock face-off Pats, and a swift current Broncos and a key four-pointer. I'll let you get to your work, and we encourage people to listen. You do a great job calling the game, and uh, we'll talk to you soon, buddy. Good luck tonight in the call. Thanks for having me on, Michael. Appreciate it. And it's Dante DeCaria of your Regina Pats. When we come back, we're going to hook up with the busiest guy in sports media right now. It's Bob Stoffer of the Edmonton Oilers Radio Network. He will join us on the Western Pizza Hotline. This is the Sports Cage for Saskatchewan Lotteries on 620 CKRM. And our show today brought to you by Spreads.ca. Ballsy in the big chair. And we're pleased to be joined on a weekly basis by the color commentator on the Edmonton Oilers Radio Network. That would be Bob Stoffer. He is a kind of a Swiss Army knife, too, because, like, just take me behind the scenes. You're in the radio booth. And you, how far do you have to run to get to the Sportsnet thing, Bob Stoffer? In our broadcast booth is on the 8th floor at Rogers Place. But the, the studio setup that they deploy in Rogers Place for TV is on the 4th. So usually I miss, I'd say, the end of maybe the last minute of the first period, depending upon whether or not I'm mid-segment or end-segment. If I'm end-segment, like the last one, yeah. you know, or the third segment of the show, that I can watch the entire period. But then I miss the start of the next period. So, uh, And then last night in Colorado, as an example, I'm up top, and they want me down there, but i got to go by the players, and everything's all you know, kind of COVIDed up right now in terms of protecting the players. It takes some extra time. So... Uh, tonight in Dallas, I walk literally 15 feet. It's the ideal situation. So that's the best. That's the best case scenario. Hey, it's a privilege to do it. It's fun to do it. I like doing it. Um, you know, there's guys out there that, you know, you're in the province of Saskatchewan where every guy that goes in a broadcasting wants to be the play-by-play voice of the Riders. I grew up in Edmonton and wanted to be involved in Oilers broadcasts. And uh, the only thing is the medium's changed a bit. Every game's on TV, and you know, sports talk radio shows didn't exist 25, 30 years ago. Now they do, and opinion matters, and you can have fun with it. So, like I said, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, that's absolutely right, and you host a, a daily talk show, too. Okay, Bob, uh, before we get what the Oilers did, uh, who is your winner on trade deadline day, or should I say just deadline time? Because a lot of things are done before the deadline day. Yeah, well, and, you know, we'll get to the Oilers in a second. I, I look at the teams in the southeast and those three beasts there in Tampa Bay, you know, if you're a player in the Lightning and you're looking at what Julian Breezeblad did and how progressive he was and giving up a couple number one picks to get a real good player like Brandon Hagel, and then uh, I, I don't understand what Ottawa did in the Nick Paul trade. I think they could have gotten a better return than that. But they basically traded for two-thirds of a third line. And that third line, they lost, right? The, the one that mm-hmm. got them back-to-back cups, they made the exact same trade when they got Coleman a couple of years ago from the Devils. And then they also got Barkley Goodrow. And and they had Yanni Gordon. Those guys, you know, were the swing. In the playoffs, you got to be able to play four lines. So I think Tampa Bay, given that they have Vasilevsky and all that star power, out east are going to be hard to beat. Um, that said, Florida added a lot. I just, when push comes to shove, I'm trusting Vasilevsky over Bobrovsky, even though Bobrovsky did beat him once in the playoffs with Columbus. Carolina, Freddie Anderson's a good regular season goalie. Hasn't proven he could do it in the playoffs. Those are three tremendous teams, you know. And, and two of them aren't going to win that conference. It's a, it's I and I'll probably take Tampa. That's not the gutsiest call, but I look at what Tampa did, and it's hard to argue uh, with what they ended up doing. Yeah. I get what Chicago did, like Chicago getting back the picks for Flurry and for uh, you know the conditional pick and Flurry with Minnesota. I'd also say Minnesota 
for one year, Bill Guerin did what he needed to do because next year they got the huge cap hit really taking place for both uh, uh, Suter and the Prize buyout. So he had to move quickly, and they're going to have a tough team. Like Minnesota's sitting there, they bring in Delorier and Middleton on uh, defense. Mm-hmm. When they flipped Kakin into from from uh, Minnesota to San Jose after they got Flurry, they already had you know Greenway and Felino and those guys. That's a tough hockey club. So I, I wouldn't you know I wonder what would happen if Minnesota ended up being a wild card spot and have to play the Flames in the first round. Wow. That'd, That'd be, be hard not yeah. to watch that. Yeah. That's two of the toughest teams in the league going at it yeah. right there. So. Yeah. There's some teams there that I thought did a lot. Okay, so the Oilers, um, uh, uh, you know what? Uh, Holland, I think he did pretty good for what he had in his hand. Any assessment of Edmonton has, just like with Calgary, like you, you look at Calgary and say, well, Brad Treleving stepped up and went and got to totally gave up number one. Any assessment for Edmonton has to include the Evander Kane signing. It's mm-hmm. that simple. Mm-hmm. They got a freebie. Like, it didn't cost them any assets other than cap space. And, and the guy's got 13 goals in 24 games and it's plus 13. And it's changed the complexion of Edmonton's top six. So Edmonton had limited cap space, getting Montreal and getting, uh, you know, the Flyers to eat half the salary on, on both Kulak and on Broussard allowed Edmonton to get an extra player for depth. So, you know, you can sit there and say, well, what about, you know, they gave up a second-round draft choice for Kulak. Well, guess what? Second-round draft choice in the NHL. He's got about a 26% chance of playing 100 or more games. So just remember that when you're talking about second-round draft choices. <laughs> That's good. They're not, all, they're not all Shea Weber. I love okay? I love the fact that uh, you use stats to pound the point home. Hey, I'll tell you what, man. I watch that game. I usually go to bed early because i got a morning show to do, but I'm staying up with the time change. And when I'm watching breakneck hockey, the Oilers lost, but I actually went to bed with a smile on my face as an Oilers fan because they held up against a very good Colorado team and Yamamoto played like little Theo Fleury last night. Well, you're uh, you got a lot of time for football, right? Yeah. You know, Teran Matthew that uh, played yep. for LSU. They called him the Honey Badger there, and I'm a, as you know, I'm a big SEC football fan. Right. Last night, Connor Yamamoto was the Honey Badger. I mean, he was hunting guys. He was angling guys. He was getting in shots at you know five foot eight and 155 pounds, soaking wet. It was. We're not talking Bobby Lalonde with the Atlanta Flames back in the early 70s when he didn't hit anybody. This guy was hitting, and he was engaged. And so, you know, it was great to see. And frankly, you know, come playoff time, there's a couple rules. Everybody hits, and everybody blocks shots. That's just a byproduct of how you got to win in the playoffs. Bodes well for Edmonton that their smallest player did it. They got some younger guys. It's a different generation, but like to see a little bit more physicality of a Pugliarvi. And you just got to finish Chuckson once in a while if you're a Bouchard or a McLeod. But Edmonton hung with Colorado, and I know the Avs didn't have Landis, Skog, and Girard, but the Oilers, conversely, did not have Nugent Hopkins, who touches their penalty killings really struggled without RNH. And there he's on their first unit PP and their first unit PK. He should be back Thursday or Saturday. So Edmonton's getting healthier, and you know I think they'll have a chance. They're making the playoffs. I will predict right now, Michael, I think they're going to come in second in the division. Yeah, I don't think you're wrong there. And you know what What else was encouraging to me? Against a high-quality opponent, I thought Mike Smith is starting to yeah. maybe find his game now. Well, and, in a, you know, hockey's supposed to be a meritocracy. Yeah. In other words, you're, you know, you're rewarded based on performance. You know, ice time is currency for coaches, and that starter's position is based on performance. Miko Koskinen, you know, he's been – 
ex- exceptional. Uh, he's got the best winning percentage of any goaltender on the road this year. And over the course of his last 13 starts, he's 10-1-2 and two with a 2.56 goals against average and a 9.21 save percentage. You know, it's so they need a true competition, and they need both guys knowing that they're competing for playing time in between the pipes. So Smith gave him a good start last night. It'll be a tough one tonight, though, in Dallas. i got to tell you, Mike, like, we got in at 3.30 in the morning here. Mm-hmm. No skate today. You know, the, the Stars home and cooled, and Dallas is a great face-off team. And Edmonton said the Oilers are seventh in the league in face-offs. Dallas is second. And Edmonton has struggled against teams that possess the puck off draws. Well, it's going to be interesting, man. I really appreciate and respect your hard work. Thanks for taking a few minutes out of your time. Have a good call tonight. Try not to fall asleep during the game. No, that won't be happening. Take care, Michael. <laughs> See you, buddy. Take yeah. care. All right, it's 441 with the sports ticker. The Saskatchewan Roughriders signed Canadian offensive lineman Maurice Simba on Tuesday. The six foot eight, 320-pound Simba was selected in the fourth round, 29th overall by the Toronto Argonauts in the 2019 CFL Draft. He appeared in uh, one game with the Argos as a rookie. And the Toronto Blue Jays and their new third baseman, Matt Chapman, have agreed to a new two-year, $25 million contract. Sportsnet's Ben Nicholson-Smith confirmed on Tuesday. Chapman gets $12 million in 2022 and in 2023. And then on top of that, he gets a $1 million Signing bonus and an update from the World Women's Curling Championship. As I pull up the score, it's uh, Canada goes into play today with a three and two record. They're taking on Japan right now. Japan came into this game at four and one, and Canada holds a four to three lead over Japan right now. And it looks like that's in the sixth end of play. The sports ticker is brought to you by Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They'll treat you right. Seven eight one. 2090. And Carrie Anderson just drew the button with her hammer in six. She picks up one to uh, restore that two. Uh, there we go. Point lead five to three. Some other sports things to get to before we get to our next guest. Uh, for the first time since 2020, the puck is set to drop at the uh, CHL NHL top prospects game. 40 eligible players for the 2022 NHL draft from across. Ontario, Quebec, and the WHL will suit up in Kitchener. The split between Team Red and Team White. The captain for Team Red is the Kingston Frontenac Center, Shane Wright. Team White will be led by Moose Jaw Warriors defenseman Denton Matejuk. Also, uh, Jagger Furkus from Moose Jaw on that team. Josh Philman, Owen Pickering not in the lineup tonight for the Swift Current Broncos because they're at that game too. Pats and the Broncos tonight, big four-point game. There is SJHL playoff action. We were supposed to have Cody Mapes from the uh, uh, Weyburn Red Wings, the coach and general manager on the show, but I've bumped it to tomorrow and we'll talk to him after the game threes. Yorkton's taking on Melford. It's in Yorkton with that series tied at one apiece. Estevan visits Notre Dame. That's the shortest trip amongst, I think, the uh, the teams. I guess Yorkton Melford's not that too, fo- too terribly Estevan, far. Estevan Weyburn's. Yeah, 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 yeah Estevan, two, no, yeah. Estevan Notre Dame. So it's about two and a half. So uh, it's a 1 1 series tie there. Humboldt at LaRange, that series tied at one apiece. And the Battlefords in Flin Flon to take on the. Um, 
the Flin Flon Bombers, the Whitney Forum, up two games tonight. That is a weird rink, man. That is a crazy place. <laughs> the Weyburn Red Wings is my SJHL team. Is it? Yep. My, for a reason? Yeah, my friend Jens Johnson used to oh, play yeah, on running the back for the Rams. Rams. Yeah. yeah. He played on the Weyburn Red yeah. Wings Defenseman. for years. Yeah. And I have one of his jerseys. He was my high school running back, so shout out to Jens Johnson. He's actually in uh, Thailand right now. So. Nice. And a <laughs> shout out to our buddy, the Ayatollah of Canola, Jim Smalley, who runs the very popular afternoon show, uh, Egg Show. Yep. He is uh, listening to the show. So thanks to the Ayatollah yes, of sir. Canola. Um, and not rock and roller. That would be our friend Jim Smalley, a broadcasting legend. Um, what else? Oh, yeah. So here's my quick Flynn Flon story. I don't know if I told you this or not. This is a true story. So I'm broadcasting the game for the Esteban Bruins, and we're driving up. This is a regular season game, and we get in late to Flynn Flon, okay? Mm-hmm. I'm one of the first guys at the desk. I get my key because they got, all got to get their hockey bags. I get my key. I... Uh, I'm tired. I get to my room. And basically, I don't even... I'm so tired, Zinger. I don't want to brush my teeth, wash my face. I wasn't a diabetic then, so I didn't have to take medication. I basically threw my stuff off, and I sleep... How do I put this? I sleep au naturel, okay? Maybe a mm-hmm. little too much information, but yeah. I'm by myself. Big baby, deal. Baby suit, if you will. So so, so the, the lights are... I didn't even turn the lights on, Zinger. I, I guess I put the front entrance light on. I get into bed... I crawl into bed, and this guy is in the bed already. This construction worker dude, big beard. He's like swearing, and he's gonna kill me. And I'm like, I, I, I just not my fault. So I'm scrambling, looking for my underwear, and I'm out in the hallway trying to dress. And the hockey guys are walking by, and they're laughing at me. So whenever you think <clears> of the flip flop bombers, I'm guessing this. That's comes the to first mind. story. Here's the second story. We're playing there the next night. There's a four-on-four Donnybrook. Yes. The guys go to the penalty box. One of the Flin Flon Bomber fans comes over to the penalty box. He, you know how you have the, you know, the interaction with the fans? He unzips his pants and relieves himself on the Bruin players in the penalty box. And he doesn't get kicked out. Wait a minute. Yeah. The player urinated on, on the opposing team's on bench. Our te- on our team's penalty box. And he didn't even get a quick... He didn't get... He didn't kick- even get a quick two-minute for it or anything. No. There was no... no nothing. No. On, that was crazy. Unbelievable. Didn't get teed up or nothing. No. He probably got a beer and a hot dog. They're like, congratulations. Way to, way to tick off the Bruins. But we won that game. And I gave the boys a show in my nice tidy whiteies out in the hallway trying to dress with this big construction guy. Wanted to beat me up. Uh, my NH- day's ruined. My yeah, day's thanks. Ruined. NHL, a little bit too much information. <laughs> NHL, my, and my run in the sports cage is <laughs> over. Anyway, Edmonton at Dallas tonight in the NHL. We heard from Bob Stoffer there. If you missed the interview, you can check it out on our podcast. San Jose at Calgary. Ottawa at the Islanders. Vegas at the Jets. Our show is brought to you by Saskatchewan Lotteries. I said spreads again, but it is Saskatchewan Lotteries. The main fundraiser for over 12,000 sport culture and recreation groups. All our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline and you can text us anytime um, on the Capital Ford Lincoln Hotline 936-6262 powered by Saskatchewan's number one Ford dealership Ford Lincoln and the uh, the first bracket here got to weigh in before 5 o'clock nap or booze what is moving on in the next round of our tournament of awesome let us head out on the Western Pizza Hotline and we'll start 
with Riley Borsma with that question. Now, Riley, I'm going to put you, you're going to the National Combine, so you're probably going to maybe have an interview process, I'm thinking. So I'm going to help you with some questions. The first one is, Nap or Booze? Do you vote? If you had to pick which one goes to the next round, Nap or Booze? Uh, I don't know. That's a tough question. Um, I think I go with, uh, in my current state affairs, I take a nap right now. Okay, a nap. That's good. <laughs> That's good. Uh, the next one, Shoes? Well, it's, nah, I got to stick with the thing. Shoes or Subway sandwiches? Like sub sandwiches. Sh- shoes or sub sandwiches? I'd go with Subway sandwiches. Okay, okay. And shoes or cleats? Cleats. Cleats, okay. Uh, you got green cleats, white cleats? What cleats you got? Uh, they're black. Black? Yeah. yeah. Black. Uh, what, what brand? Nike. Nike, okay. What do you like about that? Are they light or what? Uh, yeah, they're pretty light, yeah. So what did you uh, wear when you ran that uh, blazing four five three forty uh, in Edmonton there? That was them, the, the black cleats. Yeah, were you, uh, were, you pretty, were you surprised at all at that 40? Was that faster than you thought, slower than you thought, right where you thought? Uh, it, was, it was close to where I thought. I was, I was hoping for a little bit faster of a time after I'd done my two jumps. I felt like I was feeling pretty powerful that day, so I was hoping to break into the four fours, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, I have another chance this this weekend. So. Are you are you a sweet or salty guy for snacks? Sweet, I think. Yeah. Oh, okay, so like candies or chocolate bar? I'm more a chocolate bar guy. So what chocolate bar was at the top of the vertical jump when you went forty one five? Like what chocolate bar would have been there had there been a chocolate bar? I think it would have been a Mars bar. A, you're a Mars bar guy. Yeah. A Mars bar. Who who hooked you into Mars bars? Mars bars are uh, I think great. My, my dad used to always get them when we were a kid. I think that's where I kind of learned to love them. But yeah, you like Mars bar zinger? I like Mars bars. You're a Mars uh, bars. Wonder bars, Mars bars, and yeah. uh, Reese's are my top three. Okay, so if you got to eat a candy, what's the candy for you there, Riley Borsma of the U of R Rams? Uh, I think I'd go with fuzzy peaches. Fuzzy peaches. I'm a nerd's yeah. guy. I found some nerds oh, in the. I found some nerds in the CKRM. Uh, truck on the weekend and I was po- I was pounding them and I'm like oh wait I can't do that I'm a diabetic I'm gonna die um, okay Riley Borsma did you train specifically for this like did you and who did you train with yeah so I um, I started uh, training I think about like two months ago is when I I heard uh, well I, I started training I guess like two and a half months ago because I, I had a feeling I'd get invited to the, the regional um, and I started training with uh, one of our trainers Cam Ross Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've been training with him for the past two and a half months, and yeah, it's been all specific for the combine. So, what event were you most satisfied, or uh, event uh, category? It's not an event, but which thing were you most satisfied with? Uh, definitely my vertical. I think yeah, that was that was pretty huge. I was I've been testing it, you know, uh, periodically, like through the training process, and I've been getting around like thirty nine, and I think the highest I got was a forty and a half. So, mm-hmm. just with a little bit of rest and a little bit of adrenaline. Uh, you know, got that forty-one and a half, and that felt really big. Is that is that a one is that a one-step uh, jump, or how does that work? No, it's standing. Yeah, just standing. Wow, so, jumping out of the yeah. gym there—that's outstanding. Um, Riley Borsma, which of those circuits translates to the football field best? Do you think the vert, the broad? Because you were ten eight in the broad, the forty. Um, you know, the 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 cone drill, the L drill. Like, what? Which one? Um, which one translates the best? Do you think? Yeah, I think, um, I don't know, I'd imagine it'd probably be, be a 40, but it's tough to say because it doesn't really encapsulate, like, your mm-hmm. lateral speed and stuff, too. But I don't know, like, I think the vert and broad are pretty good indicators of just, like, pure power 
Um, I mean, I'd say the shuttles are like a good indicator too of like lateral movement, but it's also just like a lot, like those are the most technical of, of all of them. It's almost like a skill, you know, learning to run a good shuttle in algebra. Like you have to time up your steps perfectly where, so there might be some guys that like can move really well laterally, but just don't. Mm. So you're, on those cause yeah. So you're what? 5'10", 5'11", about 187 pounds. Am I right when I say that? Yeah, yeah, 5'10". Yeah, so you're a good slot guy. Uh, you'd be a good slot guy maybe in the CFL. Uh, what's the, what's your, like, what's your go-to route? Like, what do you think your best route is right now? Uh, well, last couple of years I've been playing, like, the the boundary position. But, yeah, I do think I'm probably more of, like, a slot build. But uh, from the boundary, I like to run, like, wide out. I like to just run, like, either go or come back or mm-hmm. kind of my go-to uh, slant every once in a while. But when I'm playing in the slot, I think... Uh, Probably my go-to route is a, a corner route. So you got to make that go look like it's a go and then come back, right, to get that comeback. Just talk about uh, the the evolution of those two routes. Yeah, exactly. Well, I always say, like, if you can win on a go, you should be able to win on a comeback. Like, if, you, if you're if you fast enough and, you know, you get a, a clean release and you're beating guys on, on goes, then a comeback should be, you know, uh, easy to win on because those guys should be scared that you're going to beat them deep. And, you know, mm-hmm. as soon as you turn your head to look for the ball and then, Break, break down and come back on that comeback like those those routes really pair well together so you're you're there uh doing the doing the circuits and then you got to do one-on-ones how'd you fare on one-on-ones how did that look yeah i think i did really well on the one-on-ones i think i won like i think i got like seven reps and i think i won won five of them and and the two that i lost were you know they weren't like blatant losses just like uh you know tough adjustments to balls and, and stuff mm-hmm. like that so uh, i still think i could have done done better on those i could have ran a couple you know some crisper routes but uh i still think i did pretty good yeah and did you have a feeling that you'd be invited uh to to the national combine yeah pretty much like after both my jumps uh i I didn't actually know my 40 time until the end so after both my jumps i was pretty confident okay i'm probably gonna get uh get invited here as long as i did good on the 40 and everything else so mm-hmm. so uh what uh, does the process look like now can you walk us through now it's this coming weekend can you just take us down that because zinger and i we're a bunch of has-beens we can't do this anymore so take us take us down the the riley borsma uh highway here this weekend all right well i think uh i don't know the exact exact schedule yet but uh they fly me out on uh thursday and i think i got picked up at the airport in toronto mm-hmm. at four uh, and then Thursday night, I don't think there's much, you know, just a dinner and stuff. Friday, I think it's all just medical stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I think it's interviews at night uh, with, like, a, the team, like CFL teams and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then Saturday, I think it's all your measurables. And then you'll do bra or vertical and bench. Uh, and then, again, interviews at night, I think. And then Sunday, it's 40, shuttle, broad jump. Uh, L drill and uh, like the competition stuff, the one-on-one stuff, mm-hmm. and then I'll fly back to Regina on Sunday. Okay, man, that's awesome. Riley Borsma of your University of Regina Rams. Okay, you ready for the interview process? I, I gave you a little primer there, but that's not the questions I've jotted down. Are you ready to go? I'm ready to go. Worst spring cleaning chore is, in your opinion? Uh, I don't know. That's t- I, I. I honestly, I couldn't even tell you that. I don't you don't clean. You like, don't. You're dirty. You're a dirty guy. So if no, I'm, a, I'm, I'm clean. I'm clean all year round. So yeah. I don't do the spring cleaning. It's oh, clean all the time. Because I'm concerned if I'm a GM and my equipment guy comes to me and he's mad because Borsma's locker's a mess. Like you're gonna keep it clean or what? 
No, our equipment guy, he'll he'll vouch for us. Bob will vouch for me. My yeah. my, my locker is always clean. Okay. That's why I don't have to do spring cleaning. It's always clean. Okay, there you go. I like that. See, craft your answers. There's no wrong answers here. I'm just trying to help you out, Riley, okay? Uh, right. By the way, uh, uh, how often do you wash your helmet? Because that is a cesspool. It can, and with your long hair, I just, that has zits written all over it. Um. I don't know. I think our equipment manager uh, cleans them for us. I hope I haven't been cleaning it this whole time. Oh my God! So you're <laughs> so you're a fake cleaner. Fake news. Fake yeah. news. <laughs> Riley Borsma, what superhero would you be if you were to be a superhero? Who would you be? Oh, this, you, all these questions are no good for me. I, I don't really watch many super. I, I guess Superman. I don't know. He can fly. That's pretty cool. Okay, good. And you can fly. That's a good pay. Hey, look at that. That's a good point. That's a good point. <laughs> there we go. Uh, how many cell phone numbers can you list off the top of your head? One, man. That's my own. That's it. 5% of people can't list any cell phone numbers. I got 20 off the top of my head. I could. It's just mine. And if you, if you ask me like a month after I get a new phone number, it would be zero. It takes me a while to remember it. Okay, so you're, um, you're on an escalator. Do you walk or do you stand in place? Uh, I guess it depends. It, it, I feel like every time I'm on an escalator, it's at like a, an airport or something. So I got bags. So oh no, that's a that, that, but but I don't consider that an escalator. I consider that a moving floor. I guess it is. You're right, technically smart university guy. But I'm talking. You're in a mall. You're in an escalator. You're on an escalator. Do you move or do you stand? I think I usually move. If I'm in a mall, I'm in a rush to get out of there. So okay, okay, I can live with that. I can live with that. So you don't like somebody? Say it's ballsy, and I'm walking down the street, and you're. What kind of car do you drive, by the way? I don't drive a car. I take the bus. Really? Yeah. Well, my roommates have cars, and they're both on the football team, too. Wow. So I mostly Ri- get rides with them. Riley Borsma. Okay, so you steal your roommate's car. You're going out. <laughs> you see Ballsy walking on Albert Street. You don't like Ballsy. There's a huge puddle. Do you splash him, or do you go around the puddle and keep him dry? No, no I keep him dry. You do? I like yeah. that. That's good. That's good. Okay, so here we go. Uh, your coach makes a mistake. Do you correct him? Ever? Do you correct him in front of teammates? What do you do in that situation if you know he's wrong? Uh, I think I definitely not in front of, definitely not at the moment, like not in a game. I feel like that's just disruptive. Um, but I, if if I thought it was something you know sufficient, I would I would probably talk to him. Yeah, like I'd go to his locker room and, and say something. I wouldn't I wouldn't say it as in I'm right, but I'd I'd go in to talk to him and maybe as a a good answer for it, right? So okay. I definitely talked to him about it if I felt like it was a, a really big mistake. Still playing guitar? Uh, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, not so much recently, but uh, yeah, still every once in a while. What's your guitar. What's your go to song? He picked up guitar, by the way, folks. In uh, COVID, what What's your go to song? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, that's why I asked it. it. Might be um, it'll probably be "Blowing in the Wind" by Bob Dylan. Okay. Cool. And last question here. Last question, Riley Borsma, the Rams CFL prospect. You can take $250,000 right now guaranteed, or you have a 50-50 chance on a flip to get $5 million. Do you take the two fifty dollars guaranteed, or do you go 50-50 chance at $5 million? Uh, I think I just, I'm pretty conservative. I just take the two, uh, 250. Okay. Okay. And last question. What, what are you buying your favorite sports cage host once you get that $250,000? <laughs> uh, that's a good question. I don't know. What do you like? 
I don't know. Well, how about you buy me and you a car? Does that sound good? Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'll buy a car and we can we can carpool places. Oh, carpool! Yeah. I got to drive with you. Great, great. Yeah, that, the way, I'll buy you a car, but you got to drive me places. The so. way you clean, I don't want to be in anything with you. Anyway, Riley Borsma, go clean up at the National Combine. We'll talk to you soon. Good luck, okay? Okay, great. Thank you very much. Awesome. Riley Borsma joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline from your University of Regina Rams as he's headed down east for the National Combine this weekend. We'll be back with more of the Sports Cage after the 5 o'clock news, including a chat with Luke Monitor, who's, I'm hoping, going to be in studio with me. Uh, this is the Sports Cage for Saskatchewan Lotteries on this Tuesday on 620 CKRM. And wherever you're listening, however you're listening, thanks for making us part of your day. The show rolls along, and this show is brought to you by Saskatchewan Lotteries. I mean, fundraiser for over 12,000 sport, culture, and recreation groups. All our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline. Dinner time, game time, anytime, a great time to order Western Pizza. Ask your local Western Pizza location about their specials. And you can always hit us up on the text line, 936-6262. It's powered by our good friends at uh, Ford. Capital Ford Lincoln, pardon me, Saskatchewan's number one Ford dealership. I want to give a shout-out also to Dez and Kyle from Regina Auto Auctions. A couple of good guys, they were in here. Their business has been hit by hard by the you know COVID. We know you can go to Capital and you can custom order your vehicles up there, but the I've never seen the lot so empty. Like It's crazy when you drive up the Northwest Regina. It's just the way it is, right? Yeah. And then you... They may as well put a Tim Hortons in that and, parking lot. Well, right, and then you got the auto auction too, right? Like It's tough business right now to get a car, to buy a car, to but they'll take your cars up there at Capital Ford Lincoln. Okay, Luke Mulliner, you, you recognize that voice. He is joining me on the sports cage here, the color commentator on your Rough Riders radio network. I got to ask you, man, how do you how do you look so good? Like, do you have a beard trimmer? Like, you got this nice, you got this nice beard, like Denzel Washington yeah. in Training Day. As you know, I've gone through many stages of a beard, and I've settled on the the rough stubble, but not overly. You know, I can't do the yeah. mountain man thing with my line of work right now, yeah. right? Like, you know, yeah. so you got to be presentable. The way it's getting nicer too, right? Yeah. You know what I you mean? You must it's be pumped because golf's coming up here. No, I'm not. Bro, I, I usually would be, but I have not had any time to practice all winter. Wow. I am going to be terrible. I'm, I'm already terrible. I've made an effort to uh, call our friend Brian Raymond at Flowing Springs. I'm going to get lessons, we need and to I'm going to play. Well, I, li- I live on the fourth hole of the golf course. I know, man. You're living the good life, dude. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. yeah without, to... without clubs, yeah. Real good life. Uh, okay, so well, before we get to the to the lighthearted stuff, you're with the Red Cross. Yeah. How uh, It must be uh, unfortunately busy for you this with the whole Ukraine-Russia thing going on. Yeah, well, and I think that other people don't understand is that while, while the crisis in Ukraine is going on, we're still we're still heavily involved in Syria, Afghanistan, mm-hmm. all the other problems in the world. So it's busy, but you know what? Credit to uh, credit to the international uh, Red Cross, right? All the Red Crosses all over the world. We're doing some great work, specifically in Ukraine. And um, for instance, Canada, Canada is doing their part. We've we've uh, and our organization alone has taken in about 119 million dollars. Wow. We've distributed. Does it get there? Does it get there fast? We've, we've already distributed 89 million dollars of it, right? Wow. And and it's going towards the direct needs uh, of of the people that are impacted in Ukraine. So um, again, and you know, it's a small world, right? We have somebody who used to run our communications team right here in Saskatchewan over in Budapest right now as an an international delegate handling comms. So, you know, we're we're integrated and and we're doing a lot of good work. I'm just, I'm proud of our team, man, because again, um, you look at something as drastic as the humanitarian crisis over there, Hmm. but you also know that, you know, we're working hard for Canadians. We're working hard for those people who are in the vulnerable sectors of, of, of Canada. 
Canada, whether it be environment-wise, whether it be, you know, the opioid psychosocial mm-hmm. aspects. So a lot of good work going on. That's good. So it puts firing coaches and wins and losses in perspective, then, is what you're yeah, telling me. Yeah, absolutely. But you know, it also makes, like, times like this for me the, the best part of my day, right? This is fun. You're, yeah, well, no, it's and it's stuff that, you know, I get to, A, hang out with friends, but B, talk ball and talk sports, you know what I mean? I yeah, and you're the best-looking guy in the room, so I yeah. I, 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 hey, man. Loving it. Okay, so let's get to the pick six. We always have six topics. Let's obviously start with NFL quarterbacks. Matty Ice goes from the Colts, or from the uh, Falcons to the Colts. That team was never the same after that 22-3 lead that they blew in the Super Bowl in the third quarter. It's just, they've never been able to rebound from that. And we had Braden Lenius on the show yesterday, and he's like, oh, yeah, almost got to play with him, but now I got Marcus Mariota. <laughs> that's the thing. He's going to be blocking. That's the thing. So what, what do you make of that uh, whole situation with the Matty Ice, Matt Ryan? Well, it's... You're going to the Colts that have a good team. Great team. Right? You, they have a good team. They, they're, and, again, the, one of the positive aspects about the Colts that yeah, I don't think he had in Atlanta is that they've got a really solid running game, right? So you, Taylor, the wear yeah. and tear. I mean, Matty Ice, if you watched Atlanta play, they didn't have a run game, and he was moving around quite a bit. I mean, the guy's 50 years old, right? Like, yeah. you don't want to be sitting there and, and, and relying on your athleticism at that age. And, and he can still throw darts, right? So, uh, again, I... Is probably an upgrade for Indianapolis, right? They're going from Carson Wentz, who, hey, yeah, he was okay, but this is a guy that's going to come in. He's going to be professional. He's got a lot of experience. Throws There's, for a lot of yards. Yeah, exactly. And they yeah. got a decent defense over there, too. Great right? defense. So, they actually yeah. have a really good defense, yeah, yeah. good running game. They might need another weapon in the receiving core, and their left tackle, I don't think they're going to well, resign Eric Fisher, so there's well, something there, Well, you too. know what's interesting, though, right, is, is that Carson Wentz, he's not known for a guy who's going to make all his receivers better, right? But Matt Ryan, I mean, he can throw the ball. So True. Maybe has a bit of Philip receivers. That he has are a bit of. Yeah. I know you don't like him, but he has right? a bit of Philip Rivers yeah. in him. Well, Philip Rivers could make a janitor uh, look good. Yeah, and so now maybe there actually is that tier mm-hmm. one receiver in Indianapolis, and he just wasn't getting the mm-hmm. rock. Right. Speaking so, of Lenius, how do you think he's going to fare? With I Atlanta? think he's going to do great if his mind's in it. I think that a the the biggest thing about Lenius is going to be catching on to an NFL playbook. Right, it ain't it ain't the CFL and gaining the weight again. He dropped the two eighteen. Yeah. He's got to yeah, go yeah. to two thirty five again. Well, well, there you go. Right, yeah. they want those hybrid H back athletes. Right, right, the guys who can get on the line of scrimmage and block, and then get out and catch. And again, you look at him comparably. Yeah. Reminds you a lot body type of, of of a guy like the Giants tight end who's now um, who who left. Uh, I can't remember who he went to, but uh, Evan. Oh yeah, Evan yeah, Ingram, yeah, 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 Ingram, right? yeah. Like, yeah, you're right. That's the same type of guy Lenius is. And yeah. you know, what's funny is, Ballsy, when he first got to the Riders, when we were watching him, like yeah. we'd be watching him, my thought was like, how is this guy even in the CFL? This guy's a giant. Yeah. Right? And then I remember his first training camp. I remember it. Clear as day. He was out there just bossing everybody. He had such an impressive athletic skill set. But for us, you he got hurt, and then he didn't play a lot yeah. after that. But more importantly, you just know that this guy's got it physically. Now, can you catch on to what the NFL expects you to do in terms of the playbook? And that's going to be where the magic happens for him. So the NFL is, uh, it's we, we like it, but it's cr- it's a gross business. So Deshaun, Deshaun Watson allegedly sexually harassed or assaulted, not one, not two, not 12, 22 women. That yeah. They're still in civil, uh, civil court. He's mm-hmm. not going to be criminally charged. If you look at his contract, he gets 230 guaranteed, 230 million. But the first year only one of the million isn't guaranteed so they're kind of 
thinking that he's probably going to miss some of the games, yeah. okay? So he gets the contract, yet everybody says Baker Mayfield needs to be humbled. This is a guy that got them to the playoffs and played last year hurt, Yeah. okay? What? He's such a gritty dude, Baker Mayfield, yeah. and for all his faults, you know, and I think that there's... And a... he's not a bust. He's not a Johnny no, Manziel no, no, bust. No, 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 But Absolutely people are not. talking about, like, like he is. People, I think there's always been a level of jealousy around Baker Mayfield, and the reason why is because here's a guy who's, who's just, if you look at him, he's just an ordinary... White dude, two like time two time walk on, never that, got a scholarship. Yeah, you know that looks like a substitute yeah. math teacher, right? Yeah. And he he has fun, he enjoys life. I kind of like his energy. You know, I like those guys that 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 wear their emotions on the sleeve. And 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 a guy like Steve Smith, who by the way has the same amount of Super Bowl wins as Baker Mayfield right now. Yeah, like he gets on there and talks about, oh, I led the league in something more than crying. Like guys make it about themselves when they address Baker Mayfield. Yeah, like look at Colin Coward, as good as he is, yeah. his main target of disdain is Baker Mayfield. Like yeah. when he goes in on tangents, the longest ones are Baker Mayfield. Like why? Yeah. If the guy's just an average Joe, why are you even talking about him? Yeah. So for me, I think that Baker Mayfield, he goes in there and he resembles a lot of, he, he re represents a lot of guys who are just those battlers. They, they grind it out, they're competitive and they just love playing. And you're right, Ballsy, the guy played hurt all last year, right? And, and that team, there wasn't a ton. Like, look, they franchised David Njoku, by the way. Yeah. Franchised him. Like, really? He wanted like, to get traded before. I don't, man, I tell my buddy Chris all the time, who's a huge Browns fan, like, and this this is a team that was literally, you take this year out of it, yeah. you go back to the season before, the whole fan base was excited about him. One year, all switched, all yeah. the whole narrative. I know. And now they got this guy who comes in, and he's a question mark. Yeah. People call Baker Mayfield a diva. Listen. You take the sexual assault cases that are pending out out of it. Aside, yeah. If you're using that many massage therapists, Baker, <laughs> Baker Mayfield's not the default. Yeah, you got that. You yeah. got that right. I like you that. You know what I mean? I like that. Okay, number three in the pick six. Uh, Jimmy G, what is up with him? Is he going to, like, it's like musical chairs, right? So where's he going to end up? Is he going to stay in San Francisco? Because I, hey, Carlton Lance, the former rider, his son is Trey Lance. I think he's got a future. I just don't think that future is necessarily now for a team that's on the cusp was a whisker away from going to the Super Bowl. You said it. Uh, what's the rush? What is the what, rush? What's the rush, right? But, like, he, what, but he basically like, said goodbye to the 49ers know, nation it's, it's, about it's, a month it, ago. It's the thing to do, right? It's it's the thing to do. It's the, it's the make your statement before they can make it for you, yeah. right? Baker Mayfield did the same thing. <laughs> My buddy, I was telling you off the air, Jimmy Handoffalo, right? Like, he loves to, <laughs> And I still laugh whenever anybody says that, but... What's the rush with Trey Lance? You, it's not as if when you had that package last year for Trey Lance, yeah. it's not as if everybody was like, whoa, yeah. we need more. We need more of this Trey Lance. Nah, actually, they weren't that. Nope. When they lost in the playoffs, did anybody say, you know, it would have won the game if Trey Lance? No, nobody said that. But here's the thing I like to say. If, if a lot of people like to, whether it's business or football or hockey, or like, blow it up. Okay, blow it up. Who are you going to replace him with? Yeah. So who's better than Jimmy G right now out there? Is Baker Mayfield better than Jimmy G? Is Sam Darnold better well, than Jimmy the, G? Well, well, first of all, who's the guy? You're right. Who's the guy who's bringing you're bringing in? Is Andy and Dalton better? Than, yeah, from? is Andy Dalton better that, than no, Jimmy G? Not at all, right? Like yeah. I'd rather Jimmy G a guy. And here's the thing: like he this guy's, he took you to the playoffs. San Francisco's acting like they've just been stringing together Super Bowls since Montana left and Steve Young left, right? Yeah. No, they're an average program, right? They so, went to the Super Bowl with him, and yeah. they almost went this year with him. And and who they lose to? The the team that won oh, the Super really? Bowl. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, really, Both That's, times. Oh, so the team that won the Super Bowl, the fan, the 49ers lost. Like, 
Are we? Are we? Have, do we have the proper context when we're looking like? And and is Trey Lance? Did he just absolutely blow your mind when it, he was? And out it's kind of like, and they deserve to because they pay money. But it's kind of like when Ryder fans go all rough shot on the Riders. <laughs> Like you know, like we've won four Grey Cups in a hundred and eight. Yeah, like, 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 like. Oh my God! Listen, Craig Dickinson took a Rough Rider team to the West Final two straight years, and they had no business being in the West Final this year. And I've said that, and and I remember a, a viewer, a listener, very upset at me, come up to me at Mosaic Stadium when I said, "We're the most entitled fan base that's done nothing." Right, yeah. because because we literally in our hundred and plus year history we have four Grey Cups, four, right? So like we need to gar- we need to start turning success over here to really establish that all high and mighty thing, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. yeah, we're halfway through the pick six. We got three more here, and then at the bottom of the hour, Glenn Suter joins us for a crossover, and I got some questions from listeners. Uh, it's going to be a great time with. Uh, Luke Molitor, Glenn Suter. It's a sports cage for Saskatchewan Lotteries on 620 CKRM. And right now we're going to pick up the pick six where we left off. Ballsy along with Luke Molitor. Uh, That's my favorite Van Halen tune of all time. The best song they ever wrote in terms of Lyrics. I know you're not a Van Halen guy, but uh, no. It, you know what, though. I mean, I may not be a fan, but the guys, the guys in the, that you know in other industries that you didn't necessarily grow up listening yeah. to, those are the guys that are always yeah, respected. Yeah, yeah, right? and um, it's hard to believe Eddie Van Halen's almost dead two years. It's crazy. Uh, we are uh, continuing with our pick six here, but I, I'm doing a tournament of awesome like March Madness. Is your turn? Is your uh, bracket busted? I didn't even do a bracket this year. <laughs> Too busy. I, well, there's stress. I like the, the, you're you're stressed, so you want to de-stress. And I'm so conv- I, I would like I'd be so mad if I was like putting Kentucky and Tennessee in these things. I, you know what I mean? I just I picked Tennessee uh, and Gonzaga. Gonzaga's still alive. Tennessee, uh, they they went out. So yeah. I think Coach K. They're playing hard for Coach K there in Duke. Well, last they, run they beat us. They broke my heart. Yeah, I saw that. Well, I thought um, Michigan State was going to win that game. Well. Uh, <laughs> And you know why I'm watching I'm okay Izzo? I'm watching it. Izzo, the coach of Michigan State, Tom Izzo, and, and those guys have gone out of tooth and nail over the years. That's the one thing. You want to be the coach that ends his run because yeah. that's one of one. There's yeah. no other. It's not yeah. like anybody can brag. Like, that's it. Imagine, like, man, the best thing that UNC did was was to dominate Duke in their last home game with Coach K, right? Mm. And you're right, Izzo, man. Like, you know, like, you want to be the guy that, that knocks them out. That's it. You're one of one. Yeah. I want to say hi to Pete Pascoe listening to us, uh, listening to the show. He loved the uh, Van Halen splitter coming in. All right. So 28 years ago, on this day in 1994, Magic Johnson from Michigan State became the head coach of the L.A. Lakers. He coached for one season before buying a 5% stake in the team and attempting one more comeback as a player in the 95-96 season. Now, why don't stars, I'm talking elite stars, why don't they make very good coaches? I can think of Larry Bird was a good coach with Indiana. Mm-hmm. Magic wasn't. Yeah. Gretzky wasn't. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, Ron Lancaster was, I, I guess you could call him a star. I, I mean, I do call him a star, don't get me wrong. Yeah. I don't think I put him on the same plane as a Magic Johnson, but he did turn out to be a good coach. But it's mostly like the ryan dinwiddie's and those kind of guys why is it why is it not the guys that are superstars that could be good coaches because great coaches understand that it's not about them and Mm -hmm. they understand it right away you know and and some athletes um they're they're used to a certain level 
of interaction because of the level that they played at. And it's really hard to wrap your head around the fact that it's not good enough to look at the film and be like, well, you should have done this because I did it. This is what I would have done. You've got to take yourself out. It's not about what you would have done. Why do you think guys like Bill Belichick, who don't have any NFL experience, Nick Saban, right? Like they weren't superstars in college. They didn't play in the NFL, but they're getting these. It's because it's out. They're outside of themselves. It's it's funny you say that because John Minor, former Pat way back in the day, he told the story of how he was always a call up. He told me this. He's always a call up to the Edmonton Oilers back in their heyday. He's on the bench in practice and Gretzky comes over the line and Mm -hmm. he, does his little hook inside the blue line yeah. and blind passes the puck over two sticks to Yari Curry and Curry scores a goal. Mm-hmm. And John Muckler, the then assistant coach, just tears a strip off and says, you can't do that in a game. You're never going to be able to do that. That yeah. night they played Chicago. It was five on three. They were shorthanded. He went in over the blue line, flipped, the, did the exact same thing, skated to the bench and was sitting on the bench when Curry scored. Yeah, yeah. So he got an assist when he was on the bench. He looked up at the coach and said, can't do it, eh, Mux? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, but that's what you're talking about. A great player yeah. can do it, but most of his guys can't do it it. doesn't translate to coaching you actually have to look at the person that you're dealing with understand their skill set and what the system or whatever you're asking them to do it's not about you right like Mm. like Anthony Calvillo yeah yeah yeah, like, you're right. You're like, right. Like, go ask go ask some of the quarterbacks that sat in the room with Anthony Calvillo, one of the best players in this Canadian Football League history, mm-hmm. a record holder. They say he was a nightmare as a coach. Why? Well, he couldn't take himself outside of the fact that, hey, this is what I would have done in this situation. This is how I'm looking at the film. It's not about that. It's about, okay, I have... A, I'm coaching Michael Ball. Yeah. This is what Michael Ball sees on this on this defensive line contain responsibility. Mm-hmm. He sees that, you know, he needs contain and he's playing for it. What he doesn't understand is that he can still be aggressive because he's got outside help um that's going to that's going to still be around there and because we're blitzing from that side, that outside help comes even right so yeah. so but I could look at that. Okay, I'm coaching Michael Ball. Well, what the hell's wrong with him, man? He can't see that he's got some help out there. Yeah, you know right. what I mean. Get like frustrated. that's too yeah. different. Yeah, you're right. So that's why you gotta. It's not about you, and you really have to. You have to be coaching from the standpoint of what the person you're coaching. What is that person? How does he learn the game? How is he? Uh, what is his mindset? How is he looking at things? So I I don't want you to give me the best broadcast team, but there's been a shakeup big time. There's uh, Troy Aikman and Joe Buck now in the Monday night yeah. booth. We've got Peyton and Eli with their own kind of interesting twist, which yeah. I like for a quarter, and then I got to go to the actual yeah, yeah, game. Yeah. Um, Elm. Michaels is just leaving to go over to Amazon with Kirk Herbstreit. Yeah. My question to you is this, what does a good broadcast team do for you as a former player and as a guy who watches football or hockey or whatever? Like, I think one of the best broadcast teams, Vic Router and Russ... Vic Router and Russ Howard on curling, they mm-hmm. fit the sport perfectly. Yeah. They're pacing and everything. What does a good broadcast team do for you? Validates... A good broadcasting team, I think, validates you know, the things that you're thinking and doesn't make you feel like you're an idiot if you're wrong. Um, but the better, the best broadcast teams are, are, are friends. Their relationship, they, there's a relationship you can tell. Like, so for Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, right? Like, Joe Buck was actually, he, he, he knew that there was going to be a year that he wasn't working with Troy, that, because yeah. Troy Aikman went to ESPN first. Right. Right, Joe Buck went in and talked, like, because, like, that relationship they have, right, that makes up for, like, when you're just there and you know that the guys a really know what the hell they're talking about, but b like man, the conversation's really fluid. It's it's relaxed, right? And again, you know, like I love it if I'm thinking one thing 
and I'm, oh man, he just said it. Now I feel like a genius. Now I'm thinking the other thing. Oh, he said the other thing. Ah, you know what? I learned something there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you validate, but you also don't make people look. And and the nice, you know, the best the best broadcasting partners, man. I'm telling you, are are, are guys that really get along. You know what I mean? That mm-hmm. probably have a beer together off air. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah, they're buddies. It's natural. Yeah. Okay. Last on the pick six. CFL. Why do you think it is? Since I've been alive and watching this game for 42 of my 49 years that I can remember, the CFL East has never been better than the CFL West. We've never had yeah. a crossover since the crossover came in the east to west. Why do you think that is? Because look at you're from down east. You played at Michigan State. You would think most of those guys would gravitate to eastern Canada. Why is the east always worse than the west? I think it's important in the west. Suter said the that, same thing. Yeah. I, oh, did he? He kind of said the that, same thing. I think that it matters. And you know it matters as soon as you get off the plane. So how do we change that in the East? Well, I don't know. You, can you do right? it? Yeah, you can do it. But and I think that I think that here's the key: the more you guys engage guys like Pinball, the more you guys engage, or the more the league gets guys like Victor Quee, mm-hmm. right in Edmonton. Even though, like, you, you really wish a guy like Victor Quee was in, 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 yeah. in Toronto or, or right? Doman. Or so, yeah. Or yeah, you hope right? this like, Montreal yeah. ownership's the yeah, same yeah, way yeah, with yeah. Stern. You, and yeah, those guys. You, yeah. th- you've just got to you've got to get people that that. A understand business, but B are, are more excited about football. Like so, for instance, like when you get off the plane as a new player in Saskatchewan, and you see a banner right off the airport with a rider fan, and you see you know riderstore.ca, blah blah blah. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like oh crap, man! Like you know, hey, like you get excited when you get off, and you know. You've been at the back of the plane. You get into Toronto. People are running into you. Nobody, like, man, you, you pass the Toronto store, and there's Raptors, Blue Jays, Leafs. TFC, Leafs. Leafs, nothing, nothing, like, you know, you there's no CF, right? You go, you get in the cab. Yeah, what are you here for? Oh, man, I'm, I'm here to try out for the Argos. Oh, when does the CFL season start, right? Like, it's a different feel. Like, dude, when I got on the, when I get off the plane, or when players get off the plane here, Oh man, I heard so much about you, dude. Is it true that you're the sack, the sack record holder in D three things like that? That gets you amped up to be. Mm-hmm. And I think that, and it, that sounds stupid because you know I talk so much about in between the white lines and coaching and stuff like that. But honestly, like I really think that it's it's more of a culture out west, and and you invest in cultures. That's why. The NCAA, your son's down there. Yep. Think about being the North Dakota Fighting Hawks. Think about the merchandise that you see. You're wearing a shirt right now. The whole place is green you know, on the game whole day. Green, yeah, yeah, right? Like, it's exciting. It's a culture thing. You get that culture out here. It, it reminds you, right? When I came off uh, out of Michigan State, you know, it, it reminded, like, you know, the, the way they talked about, oh, man, we just had the Great Cup here two years ago. It was, right? Like, you're excited. And and if you're excited, if people around you are excited, when you get on that field, you know that you're there for more. That when you get on the field in, in camp for Toronto, hmm. right? You're, you're just, hey, you're just there to be, you know. You're you, lucky you to have a you, field. You hope you make it. Yeah, <laughs> you hope you have, make it. Yeah. You know, you're, you you hear the veterans complaining. Oh, man, I can't believe they didn't give me an extra take. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you get more of that Bush League feel. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Whereas out west, man, you're they're excited you're here. He's Luke Mulder. When we come back on the other side, we'll be joined by Glenn Suter. I got some questions for both of these guys. This is the Sports Cage uh, for Saskatchewan Lotteries on 620 CKRM.
And whenever we have this next guest on, we got to give a shout out to our sponsor, Quality Tire, with 10 locations across Saskatchewan. QualityTire.ca. He joins us three times in the offseason. He is Glenn Suter. Lead football analyst on TV for TSN and, of course, Ryder Plaza Honor inductee. We're also joined by the Ryder Radio Network color commentator. That'd be Luke Mullender, and I am yours truly, Ballsy. Uh, Glenn, welcome. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's awesome. I, I wanted to uh, get to a bunch of things here, so let's start here. Um, okay. I wanted to ask both of you. I'll start with you, Glenn. Talk about the highs and lows of playing here. Because I had Jamal Campbell on earlier, who comes from Toronto. He said he spent a week here... When they were in between games, didn't want to go back home. He spent a week here, and he said it was unbelievable. And that really said if he ever got a chance to play here, he was going to. That's the high. The low is when you're losing and you don't feel like, you know, you don't want to go to the grocery store. So start with you, Glenn. Highs and lows of playing in Saskatchewan. Well, I, I think when you finally sort of take a step back and look at it as a player, and sometimes this doesn't happen for players until they're done, until they've retired or moved on to other things. But if you can, as a player, step back and look at the big picture, the, they're only highs. Because the fans, even though when you're losing, will be upset, and they'll say they're upset. And when they see you in the mall, as we all know, if you've played in Saskatchewan, you're not going to have a quiet dinner if you're on a three-game losing streak at, at the keg or at Memories Restaurant. There's going to be fans that come over, and they're going to tell you how they feel about your three-game losing streak. But if you take that step back and you look at it from the outside, you realize that they're doing that because they care, and they love it, and they're passionate. And you know, so the, the, the lows become highs when you think of it that way, and you think, this is the only. This is the best place in the world to play because they care so much about it. How about you, Luke? I think that with Saskatchewan, obviously, again, we talked about it before. Suits was on is the culture, mm-hmm. right? That that you get invested in the culture here, and 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 it's because the people of Saskatchewan are invested in the culture, just mm-hmm. as they're invested in agriculture, just as they're invested, right? Like, yeah. So, I think that when it comes to the lows, I'm not sure there's a low. I think that. Though here, more than anywhere else, you have to understand the holistic um, need as an as an athlete. Like you literally get it here, in that the highs are the highs, but the lows are going to be the lows. Nobody cares if you lose a game two game, two games in a row in Toronto. Right? I think it's Nobody, a I think it's a big and, I think it's a big statement, Luke and and and, he, and uh, Derek Moncrief was on with Glenn and I, and it's a big statement that I asked him: Is your NFL dream dead, and are mm-hmm. you content with that? He goes, "I'm 29." I'm content. I like it here. I want to set up shop here. But you have to understand what being an athlete, a professional athlete is. It, it, like here in Saskatchewan, you also have to deal with the media. You yeah. also have to deal with social media. You have like this is this is a very small province, but it's got a big market mentality when it comes to pressure. And I don't think that's a low, but I think that it's an opportunity because here is where you can be a true. You can get lost in 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 Toronto. You can get lost in BC. You know what I mean? Like hey mm-hmm. man, like nothing matters outside of practice. I'm gonna go here. I'm gonna go to a bar, sit on a patio. Here you've got to be a pro athlete 24 hours a day. 
especially when you're out and about, right? So yeah. that's a different, and it's and it and it can potentially get draining if you're not prepared for both sides of the coin. Now, Luke is pretty active on social media because I'm going to assume you saw this. I know you saw this, Glenn. So this is the next thing I wanted to talk about. I want your reaction to what we witnessed with that Michigan prospect, David Ajabo, linebacker mm. that blew his Achilles in the pre-draft process with all the scouts watching. And we'll start with you, Glenn. I thought it was the. It's a really gross side of the business like they didn't even go to look on the guy at least the part i saw they just picked up the ball move his carcass let's move the drill just your thoughts glenn on that yeah i went you're talking about it yesterday i went immediately to go look at it and it was really disappointing in my opinion that the coach uh chose to walk over or or whoever that was the assistant that that walked over and picked up the football and kind of walked by him uh without even kind of coming over and saying are you okay or do you need a trainer or anything i mean you know a coach's job is not to treat an injured athlete but it is to care about them as people first and and the and the good ones get that the good ones understand and as luke mentioned the culture building they understand that if you treat them like men you're honest with them and you treat them like people before players you're going to win more than you're going to lose and it, that example it it was it was one clip and it was one coach but it was ugly and awful and it looked it looked like he didn't care he walked over picked up the ball and left the kid lying on the floor holding his his Achilles yeah i saw from coach yeah, glenn brought this up and it brought to mind and we talked about it earlier coach k Duke, they're playing Michigan State. One of his guys, and you can tell they're battling hard. From one of his guys went down. He he's a he's a legend. He walks off the bench over to the guy, gets down mm-hmm. on one knee, and you knew it wasn't for show. He doesn't need to have show. Yeah. He's Coach K. He's looking at the guy and really seems concerned. And yeah. that's the kind of coach you want to run through a wall for. It, it kind of remind me of like a maybe like a Ken Miller type. But just your thoughts on what you saw from that prospect of Jabo? Uh, zero surprise. Um, I think that this football, again, it's just, I I actually appreciate videos like that because they're reminders uh, of what this business actually is. This is a a pro day. Um, This is NFL executives and scouts there. He doesn't belong to any teams. This is a meat market. Yeah. Right? Like that's, and it's a reminder of the business that there, that's why, you know, I, I thought it was so unfortunate. I saw, I saw an article about the, the the 10 worst draft picks in Canadian Football League history. And it was so disappointing. And the reason why it was so disappointing is because those 10 worst draft picks, in quotes, are 100 million times better than the people that are going to sit there and laugh and the person that wrote the article at football, right? And I think that we really got to take context in, like Suits says, you know, there's a human aspect, but this business is absolutely brutal. And, you know, it's it's no different than in practice. People go down and practice all the time, and, and there's a guy who's got to have to do that role of picking up the ball, moving it, and, and the rest of the team has to play around it. There's not a lot of time. This It's a meat market industry, and it's, it's unfortunate, but th- that video, to me, is just a reminder of what what is really at the heart of this business, yeah, and, cool. it's, and, it's, and it's not the human. Glenn, uh, that's a, that was a good way for Luke to put it. Uh, now, Luke played just in the social media era. It was just coming on, like with Facebook and everything like that. You didn't. Are you happy you didn't play in the social media era? <laughs> yeah. Oh, woo! <laughs> <laughs> like every day. I'm like, oh, my goodness, am I happy there weren't phones back then. No, I, you know, 
not because I was breaking any laws, just because, wow, you know, like, you know, when you can take a picture of you and tag you and then put a timeline well, on it. Well, Suits, let me stop you. Let me stop you. One of the most famous things in Rough Rider history, and I was at the game, and we didn't have a lot of money. So I'm not going to lie to you. I was some pissed off at 27 when it looked like we had beat the BC Lions, and you get pass interference, and they win the game <laughs> with zero time on the clock. I'm like, what is going on? What was that guy thinking? Can you imagine? Can you imagine how? Because you went through quite a lot after that play, if I'm not mistaken. Can you imagine how much worse it would have been with social media? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, I've I've had many a conversations with like guys like Darian Durant, who who really took the brunt of it for a long time in his career until they actually won. Mm. And you know, he really struggled with it at times. And you know, I. I feel like we had conversations to back him off of that cliff a few times because he was he and in fact he lashed out a, a couple of times I think if you remember Michael I don't yeah, yeah. I I you know but it, it it is it is harder but again if if your motives are what football is all about which you, which is your teammates first the ultimate team game we always say that's a cliche but it's true and if you care about your teammates and they care about you in the room the culture's there and that's your motivation, then you should be able to manage it. You really should. And I, I know we're all human, so it affects us all. But that you know going in now that that's what's going on. Does it bother you, Luke, that Cody Fajardo was bothered by social media because he was bothered by it? I know it kind of – I had the coach on here, and the coach – Coach Dickey said he was he was candid, as he always is. I was surprised that Cody was bothered as much as he was by that. Well, I think that – I think that because the reason why everybody was surprised that Cody actually got bothered by it was because this is a guy that actually feel you get the feeling that he understands social media, right? Like yeah. you, you see him yeah. running his running his autograph uh, uh, engagements. You know, he's always mm. talking about you know, or like, look, he leveraged it to announce the the, birth the blessing, his, the yeah. birth of his his, or, his first son. Yeah, he's conceived right? a son. Like, yeah. So he yeah. understands it. So I think that for for everybody, it was a little bit of a surprise that he got, that he was that he went that far to really take it like that because here's a guy that really spends a lot of time on social media so i think that that was sort of it was one of those things well if you if you go with the good you have to be able to accept the bad Mm -hmm. but cody's also a really good example of what we just talked about the highs and the lows is that here you have to be a professional athlete all the time you can't just walk away from it in in saskatchewan you know everybody's Mm -hmm. always watching what you say every and i actually think that when you compare cody and doubles one of the nice things you see about cody is that he actually embraces that social media side of the game, right? Whereas our generation, when we were coming, it was just sort of developing, and we didn't necessarily know what to think about it, right? We didn't know right how to leverage yeah. it properly. And I thought Darian Durant was really good at it, right? Yeah, but, yeah he became good at it. You yeah. know what I mean, Suits? And But, yeah. but he still... Is is when you compare the two and the quarterbacks now and the athletes now, it's night and day. It's funny you said that because Chris Best told me a story once. They're on a speaking engagement in Swift Current. They're hungry, and he's like, uh, "Let's go. Uh, let's just go to. I think it was the A there in Swift Current." And Chris goes, "Let's go in." He's like, "No." He goes, yeah. "Darian, it's two. Th- it, he goes, it's four thirty on a Wednesday in Swift Current. I think you'll be okay." No, they man. spent two and a half yep. hours in an autograph yep. session, and Darian yeah. Darian wouldn't speak to Chris yeah. Best for a day. Yeah, 
It's because, man, best big old lumber and tail walks in there ordering 12 cheeseburgers and stuff. Like, yeah. people don't want to talk to him. You know what I mean? Look at Shrek. We don't need to talk. But, man, doubles yeah. walks in there? Yeah. That is a huge deal. First yeah. of all. You know you know, you know know what, guys, too, and I, I, I don't mean to interrupt, but, you know, I, I would at this in this day and age, because we all are human, athlete or not, coach or not, in this day and age, I really believe you need guidance. I think every team and the league office should have a guy who teaches you about messaging yeah. and, under, and, under, and to understand social media and how you can use it in a positive way, but how there's a negative side and how to manage that. I, I really think there should almost be a social media coach now. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a really good point. Mind you, we're cutting regular coaches, so... <laughs> anyway, when we come back, we got some other questions to get to here. I'm going to ask how Deshaun Watson, Baker Mayfield types play in the locker room. So I'm going to lob you guys that. You can think about it for a minute. This is the Sports Cage for Saskatchewan Lotteries on 620 CKRM. 549 with the sports ticker. The Riders signed Canadian offensive lineman Maurice Simba on Tuesday. The six foot eight, three hundred and twenty pound Simba was selected in the fourth round, number twenty-nine overall by the Toronto Argonauts in the twenty nineteen CFL draft. And we have a file in the World Women's Curling Championship. Canada tenth to four winners over Japan today. So Canada is now uh, four and two on the tournament, and Canada's next game is tomorrow morning versus Sweden. The sports ticker is brought to you by Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They'll treat you right. 781-2090. All right, so when you add a guy, ballsy here with Luke Molliner and uh, Glenn Suter, and Glenn Suter segment brought to you by Quality Tire. So when you add a guy like a Dwight Anderson, like the Riders did in 2013, uh, you know, a great player, but you got and even a Deron Carter, is the juice worth the squeeze? And it is worth the squeeze to a point, and then pretty soon it's not worth the squeeze. We talked about this yesterday, Glenn. So Deshaun Watson comes to Cleveland uh, with a lot of baggage. Baker Mayfield is, uh, you know, he's he's cantankerous. He's he's outlandish a bit. He's got a bigger than life profile. How does that play in a locker room? Because you guys have played with guys like that. Like for every Deshaun Watson, you need a Luke and a Glenn Suter in the locker room to offset that. But how does that play behind closed doors? Because I have found one of the most interesting places I wish everybody could go to is behind a, a football dressing room door just to see how everybody interacts. How does that play, Glenn? Uh, you know, I, I think it, it depends. And, I, you know, you don't, we don't have to get into the individual issues, but to say that if, if a player comes into the room with a troubled past and is honest with his teammates, then that room is sort of a sacred place, and you can all rally together. But if that player is, you know, doesn't really care what his teammates think and then is now just about himself on the field – you know, getting into fights when he shouldn't be getting into fights, not training camp fights that always happen, but, you know, like middle-of-the-season fights that should never be happening and things like that, then, you know, I think that's where it crosses over and I think it can divide a locker room. There'll be a group of people that say, this guy's a problem, and then there'll be a group that say, I'm with him, I don't care that he's a problem because he's a good guy or a good receiver, a good player, a good athlete or whatever. And, and that can divide the room. And I think all those little things matter, so it's important for the coach to manage that. Uh, so I, when I'd sit in the room, I don't know how Luke handled it, but I would hope that the guy would stand up and say, look, I know what my, my reputation is, but I'm just here to be your teammate. I'll do whatever I have to to help us win. 
and then that's over. We can just go and practice and play, and as long as he acts the way he talks, we're good. How about you, Luke? Yeah, I think that as long as we know who you are and you know who you are, the locker room's okay with it, mm-hmm. right? Like you can, if you're a selfish, self-centered guy that that would trade a two-touchdown game instead of the win, mm-hmm. right? If if you embrace that and you know that and and we know what you're about, that's cool. Okay, Whatever so I, you know, like me, you just have to be uh, you have to be authentic in the locker room because mm-hmm. because people good or bad, people can sniff out the fakes and 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 I think that that's what suits is getting at. If if you're not an authentic guy, that's where you don't mesh with the locker room. You both have blank. Yeah, the, go go ahead, Glenn. Sorry. Player, player ballsy is is different than the coach's approach too in some ways in my opinion that you as a coach you can look at that and say that okay he may be okay as Luke mentioned in the locker room that he may have made his peace there and the guys are okay with it but I have to understand as a coach now the Mm -hmm. spotlight will find you if you are a problem child and and I what I mean by that is in the middle of the most important part of the most important game the spotlight will find you, and are you going to be unselfish and do what you need to do to win, or are you going to do what you need to do to score that extra touchdown Luke was talking about, even if it means you don't care about winning or losing? Because then it'll find you, and then it might cost us a game. Probably will. Mm-hmm. And and that would be a concern for me as a coach. But as a player, as long as we have peace with the guy and he's honest with us, and you yeah. know, like Luke said, he is what he is, we're okay with that. So you both have some bling on your finger. You both want a gray cup. Glenn? What made that room special in 1989? Well, I think we came together during uh, adversity. You know, I, I think when that, that play that you mentioned, uh, Ballsy, when I, I decided to take, try to take <laughs> David Williams' head off after the, <laughs> after the ball uh, landed, like, on my back that was so early in pass interference, uh, and we lost the game to the Lions, you know, the team rallied. I mean, uh, Ray Elgard stood up in the middle of the team meeting and said, we can all blame Suter for what happened in the game, but we all know that that wasn't why we lost, and we can decide now to, to come together and, and get ready for the next one, or we can or we can let it pull us apart. And, and when that happens and your teammates rally, I mean, Bobby Jerson sat beside me for an hour after practice, like three hours after the media left to make sure everything was cool. And you know when you feel like that and you have the, that backing of your teammates that good things can happen. That, that, must, have been, been that must have been a strong room, Glenn, though, and I'll get to you in a second, Luke. That must have been a strong room because you had Austin and Burgess. We've talked about that. That Sometimes when you have... <laughs> if you have... Two quarterbacks, you have, you don't, you know what I mean? Like two quarterbacks sometimes is too many quarterbacks, if you know what I mean. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I don't, I don't really know if they ever had any problems, but I know one thing as a teammate on the defensive side of the ball, I never knew it. So they always came to work. They were always supportive of each other as far as what we could see. And um, that's all that mattered, really. Yeah, Luke. What about your 2007 championship team? What did, what characteristic did you have there that you thought you know you know emanated throughout the locker room? Well, I think that we had a really talented team, but nobody knew how to win except Kent. Like he knew what it was going to take um, from in terms of galvanizing galvanizing the coaches, mm-hmm. and he also knew what it would take to galvanize um, the guys in the locker room. And I think that. 
you know, I, actually, I talk about this quite a bit in leadership uh, meetings and things that I do. I talk with certain groups is that Kent really understood and really helped it helped hammer this point home that the scout team guy was as important as Kerry Joseph and vice versa. And there was going to be guys that could make the play. There was going to be guys that get it. And those guys, it wasn't good enough for them to just lead us. They had to reach back and they had to bring the guys who didn't understand along. Hmm. And that was, and that, you know, cause again, we've got believe on the bottom of our ring. I could have thrown that out, hmm. but I really think that he Ken Austin and, and that coaches, because you got to remember that the defensive, the defensive, staff was the same in 2006 mm. as it was in 2007 right so mm -hmm. it wasn't like there were, he brought in all his guys right it wasn't like he had to he had to gel the coaches room too and i think that we got a guy that understood the team that was there was really talented but nobody really had the sort of the understanding of what it took to actually make that next step. There was guys ready to make that step, but I don't think there was a guy that knew until Kent got there how to identify with that group. Okay, so uh, we're... Hey, Ballsy. Yeah. Ballsy, really quick, really quickly, notice that, that Luke or I, both of us, didn't talk about athletic ability. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? No, but yeah. I mean, that's... about a, the room. Yeah, yeah, it's the room, absolutely, guys. Okay, quickly, you both are in the same boat here. We've got about a minute and a half. Let's start with you, Luke. What do you appreciate about being in the media now that you didn't as a player? That, what do com I that comes from Stephanie, being, by the way. Stephanie, text um, that in. I don't know if the, whether it's I, I appreciate it. I just know that it was BS the entire time I was in. I was I was a player. Is that our coaches always told us, "Don't pay attention to the media. media. We don't pay attention to it." It's a complete lie. Every single coach pays attention to the media. Every <laughs> single coach sits there and listens to to to, to suits yeah. rip them up if they want, and then they take it. It's an emotional reaction. Glenn, Glenn <laughs> what do you appreciate about the media and what you do now that you maybe didn't back when you played? Although you were a bit in the media when you played yeah no i i uh i appreciate them always have i really all i always have felt that there's a tremendous value there are messengers they really are they tell the stories and i have been frustrated beyond belief with them at times i still am at times you know for instance for down nation i i'm at times very frustrated with them when i misquoted and things but they do a lot of good stuff i mean they 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 keep people informed, a lot of people on social media on what's going on with the Canadian Football League. They, they frustrate me at times, but I, I appreciate them. I always have, and that's why when I made that big mistake to go full circle in that 89 year, I said to our coach, let me go and do all the media. Yeah, let, you did. let me tell the story so my teammates don't have to, and then we'll let the media dig me if they hit me if they want. They can kick me all they want. And then we'll move on. And and but I've always appreciated their value. Yeah. Uh, quickly, Luke, you got 20 seconds. I just seconds. realized it. Um, the amount of time and respect and training and working out I put in to be an athlete, the media put that into being media, and I didn't understand that. Mm -hmm. They are the experts in media, and I didn't respect that. Good point. All right, Luke. Thanks for your time. We'll see you on Friday, big right. man. And uh, Glenn, we'll talk to you on Thursday. Thanks, brother. You got it. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. You too. We'll have more of the sports cage after the 6 o'clock news. Arash Madani will talk to the number one Haggerty in the household. Not Josh Haggerty, the Argos. His sister, Hannah Haggerty, the outstanding track athlete. This is the sports cage for Sask Lotteries on 620 CKRM. 
And welcome to the Sports Cage for Saskatchewan Lotteries, the main fundraiser for over 12,000 sport culture and recreation uh, groups across the province. All our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline. Dinner time, game time, anytime. It's a good time to order Western Pizza. Ask your local Western Pizza location about their specials. Actually, uh, shout out to our buddy Spiro, who we visited a couple of Mondays ago in the south end there, South Albert. He, uh, part of the Greek community, they raised 96000 for an evening in Greece, and they smashed some plates, including our buddy Luke Molitor. He he just spiked a few plates. I'd like to do that one time. Um, and uh, we want to tell you that when this guy comes on the show, we know what time it is. It's the Madani Report. It's brought to you by Smart Investing Solutions. Be smart with your money. Call Brian Gully at Smart Investing Solutions. Just before we get to him, we want to tell you that uh, Naps beat out booze in our awesome tournament, Tournament of Awesome. Uh, we still are voting on shoes or sub sandwiches. Arash Madani, you got to vote in our Tournament of Awesome. Shoes or sub sandwiches? Oh, I'm going shoes, man. Come on. How many how many souvlakis did Mullinder crush, by the way, Ballsy? I don't know how many he crushed. It probably He's looking good, man. He's got that Denzel Washington look. He's got the beard all trimmed up. Like he's looking good. And you look good. Yeah. And you look good too. How many pairs How many pairs of shoes do you have? Uh, I'd probably say Nike Air Force Ones are my jam, but mm-hmm. then with the dress shoes and like the casual dress, I'd say probably about twenty pairs of kicks, Baldy. Okay, so uh, I. Uh, How about you? Uh, my, my girlfriend dresses me now, so she's really up my game. Probably uh, three pairs of workout shoes, and then probably seven, yeah. uh, ten pairs of shoes. I got about ten pairs of shoes, but really, there it's you go. P- pales Very in comparison. Nice. Hey, brother, I gotta ask you: Did did you almost die? No, so, um, so I'm actually in Costa Rica right now, Balsy. On Thursday, Canada is playing uh, Costa Rica in a soccer World Cup qualifier, and if they win, Canada's men's national team will go to the World Cup for the first time since 1986. Wow. So what does that have to do with me, quote, almost dying? On our flight today, the power went out on the plane not long after takeoff, like, fully out and in the span of less than three minutes the pilot and first officer bang 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 it all happened so quick that not a lot of passengers even noticed and i actually ended up chatting with the service director on the flight and she said that in 26 years of flying she's never encountered something like that but uh i know a national pastime in canada ballsy is to uh is to give hell to Air Canada, but mm-hmm. Air Canada came through big today. Nice man, yeah. You don't, uh, you you often take for granted that person or persons at the front flying the thing. You just kind of think you're going to go from A to B, no right. problem, because it happens all the time. And you're like, wow, that is. I when I saw that, I was like, oh man, I actually said a little prayer for you. That's pretty cool. Now you're at a Packers. You're at a Packers bar. Zinger wants me to mention that. Uh, you're at a Packers bar in Costa Rica. Can you believe this? I mean, I we landed at just before noon local time, and then we knocked out all our stuff. And then by the time we finished, it was about 5 or 6 o'clock local time here. So we decided to grab a bite to eat. And I said, okay, well, guys, you know, sat down. I said, I got to take this radio call. And as I, as I was leaving, Green Bay Packers Bar. I'll, I'll, I'll 
text both you and Zinger. You can tweet it out if you want. I mean, I just can't believe it. Yeah. I'm I'm in Central America, and as a Vikings fan, I cannot get away from my arch nemesis. <laughs> like, when will it end, Baldy? So, what do you, do you have? Cheese there? Like, what do you do at the like? Like, do they have the all the Packers theme and that whole thing? You know what they don't have? Hmm. Any Devonte Adams jersey? <laughs> Zinger likes that one. That's awesome. Okay, hey Zinger, that's yeah, good. I see you. Devonte Adams, that's long good. may he live. Yeah. I see you. Let's talk about the beautiful game. Go. <laughs> Let's talk about the beautiful game before we talk about the American game. Uh, yeah, this is a big, big moment in Canadian soccer history, man. I remember the 1986 World Cup. Actually, it's one of the few I actually I would have been 14 years old watching that puppy. So the last time they qualified was September 14th, 1985. In St. John's, Newfoundland, they played that game. And it was cold and windy and wet and cold and cold and cold. On basically this field with a few temporary bleachers and some people brought, um, you know, folding lawn chairs and Canada did it then. Got to the World Cup, Ballsy, didn't score a goal in three games. And now suddenly, after all of this, after three and a half decades, here they are, although Alfonso Davies isn't here this week because of a, he's dealing with an aftermath of a heart issue, mm-hmm. but they have one of the best left backs in the world. They have one of the top young teams in the world. Countries like Argentina are calling saying, we want to play Canada as a preparation tool and a friendly for the lead up to the World Cup. You know, at this point, it's not a matter of if, it's when. After, you know, all these years and this hope, somehow, some way, like this is going to happen. Canada's going to do it, and they're going to play in Qatar in November and maybe December of this year. Arash Madani, you have been everywhere. Is there an event that you haven't covered that you still want to cover before it's all said and done? Not to say you don't have many years left. You just you just told us you're you're invincible. So is well, there, this is the one ball? This is it. This, this is, is the, the one. one. Yeah, I want to cover Canada in a World Cup. That's it. Okay, cool. That's it. Okay. Yeah, no, that's interesting, I, man. I remember being I remember being five years old. And my dad putting my sister and I on the couch saying, we got to watch this. This is important. Canada's in the World Cup. And now I'm in my 40s, and to have a chance to cover it for the first time since would be incredible. What's incredible is your signal is better in Costa Rica than it is in Toronto. That is unbelievable. That is incredible. That's what, I'm, <laughs> that's what I'm like. This is unbelievable. Hey, so let's talk some of uh, American football. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo. Or as Luke called him, Jimmy yeah. Handoffalo, okay? <laughs> yeah, I thought that was a great nickname. His buddy came up with that. So when it's all said and done, like in business, in sports, it's like you hear this a lot of times, Rash. Oh, blow it up. We just got to blow it up. And Jimmy already said goodbye to Niner Nation or whatever they call it. But as we sit today on March the 22nd, 2022, is there a better option for the 49ers than Jimmy Garoppolo? Like, he got them to the Super Bowl. He got them close to the Super Bowl. Yeah, he's not flashy, but I don't think we're ready to have Trey Lance take over this football team. And who are you bringing in better than Jimmy G right now? Well, if it's not Trey Lance, then the answer is Garoppolo. And, Baldy, we just don't know because we 
so rarely have seen any snaps from Trey Lance, a few packages for him. We're not at practice, you know, to know where he is. But if Trey Lance was ready to be the guy, Garoppolo would be gone by now. And with the way this whole quarterback carousel has gone, and what a wild, what a wild, you know, hamster wheel this has been, um, you have to think Jimmy G is going to return to San Francisco, don't you? Like it feels like it's still a year removed from Lance that they moved all those picks up to go take him in the draft last year. And you're right, you're right. I mean, February 2020, if Jimmy makes one throw that's half a yard shorter that doesn't go off the fingertips of Emmanuel Sanders. We're talking about Super Bowl winning champion Jimmy Garoppolo. Right. And then he takes him to the, AFC, uh, the NFC title game this year. So, I don't know. Today, third week of March, I think Jimmy G is the answer. A month ago, if you told me Matt Ryan was going to be in Indianapolis, and Atlanta was going to have Marcus Mariota. I'm not sure I would have bought that. Do you have a tough time covering sports sometimes? And just hold on a second. Like you, you seem like a very uh, reasonable, uh, good dude who's got his head on straight. You look at the Cleveland Browns, and they gave a guy with serious baggage $230 million guaranteed. Colin Kaepernick can't get a chance again. And Baker Mayfield got them to the playoffs and last year played with a wonky shoulder and tried his best to grit it out. And people are saying that Jimmy or that uh, Baker Mayfield needed to be humbled, but not. And Deshaun Watson gets the bag of money? Are you kidding me? Ballsy, and this is this is this is the dilemma with the NFL. The dilemma with the NFL, and I and I've often said this, is that football drives me crazy six days a week. Football makes me sick often four or five times a week. But then there's a beauty about the game on Sunday or Friday night or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. But you have to separate. And unfortunately, and I know this sounds like a cop out it's gotten to the point where you have to separate art from artist. Deshaun Watson is, is a better quarterback than Baker Mayfield. Deshaun Watson's a much better quarterback than Baker Mayfield. Now he's a year removed, you know, a year of rust and the accusations are just so bad, but the NFL continues to say one thing and do another. The Browns come out and say that we've done our due diligence and we've done our investigation. We've talked to so many people involved. And then the lawyer representing all the women who have made these allegations against Watson said, you haven't even talked to us. <laughs> all this was was a Cleveland Browns franchise that has never had a franchise quarterback since Bernie Kosar going all in, hoping that Watson's going to be the guy, the rest of it be damned. And yeah. that's, that's that's basically as much it. as we love football, it drives us crazy too, doesn't it? Yeah. Okay, we're against the clock, but I'm going to ask you before we wrap up this talk, and we'll get back to talking to you Thursday with other things. Um, Baker Mayfield, where does he end up? Do you think where does he where does he end up? I don't know where his landing spot is going to be. Who's going to take an eighteen million dollar contract to be the backup? I guess maybe Seattle. Mm-hmm. You can't really go with Drew Locke, can you? 
Um, That's what I think. Seattle or is Carolina settled on it? Is he better than Sam Darnold in Carolina? Right. Now, and I, and I can't see the Giants really extending and saying, okay, we're going to go with Mayfield over Daniel Jones because you're going to give Daniel you know, the same money. Mm-hmm. You may as well see what you have. How about Pittsburgh? But, Pittsburgh said they'd be interested. There's talk Pittsburgh would be interested if he gets cut. Right, if he gets cut and the Browns have to eat the eighteen million dollars, Pittsburgh could sign him as a free agent for you know, yeah, one year at at eight to ten or something. Um, but I think Pittsburgh's going to draft a quarterback. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. Just have Trubisky be the interim guy. Yeah, interesting. Okay, man, I'll let you get back to the Packer Packers bar in Costa Rica. <laughs> we'll talk on Thursday. I'm glad you're safe, and uh, yeah, can't wait to hear from you on Thursday, man. Exciting times in the world of soccer. That is the guy from coast to coast with the most, the Madani Report. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. He gone. And how about that signal? <laughs> yeah, that was clean. Crispy clean. Hey, when we come back, we're going to talk to the best Haggerty athlete in the household. And it isn't Josh of the Toronto Argonauts. It's his sister. And she's going to prove it. She's going to tell us why. Coming up next to wrap up the sports cage on 620 CKRM. <laughs> And this is a segment we like to call Cougars in the Cage, where we go check in on the U of R athletic scene. Aside from Rams football, we talked to Riley Borsma earlier in the show. If you missed any of the show, you can check it out later. Zinger, our outstanding producer, puts it up in podcast form. Please listen to it, like it, share it with your friends. That's the best form of promotion. Joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline to wrap up the show, Hannah Haggerty, U of R track and field superstar see how i rhymed that there that's awesome that should be on a business card how are you today hannah i'm good good thank you how are you good you're uh you you sound nervous don't be nervous i'm not gonna hurt you um (laughs) um so who'd you get your athletic talent from your dad or your mom um maybe a little bit of both but probably mostly my brother (laughs) oh your brother okay do you look up to your brother I do. Yep. He's yeah. He's always been the, one of the biggest role models in my life. So, yeah, I would say I definitely look up to him. So here's a better question for you. Who's got better hair, you or your brother, Hannah? Um, I'd have to give it to myself. Yeah, I think so, too. <laughs> I think yeah. so, too. How, do you ever wonder how that guy, your brother, Josh Haggerty, gets his hair into his helmet? And have you ever helped him put his helmet on? Uh, no, I have never. But I always wonder that because he does have a lot of hair. Yeah, no kidding. Um, so you uh, tell us what events you compete in. What are you? What, you're a you're a Swiss Army knife on the track. Tell us what events you compete in. Um, okay, so my main event is long jump, and then I'm also a part of the four by two relay team, and then I also compete in sprint. So, um, sixty meter, a hundred meter, um, obviously two hundred meter. Um, yeah, those are the ones I focus on. So uh, what's the key? Let's go through some of these, okay? Uh, what's the key? I, I always like the 100 meter. 200 was too far for me. Now, listen, I'm not comparing myself to you, okay? Like, I, I, I raced a bit in high school, played football with your dad, actually, but uh, not, yeah, I don't know if you knew that or not. Uh, yeah, I, I was much better than your dad. Uh, anyway, <laughs> um, he could never cover me. Uh, so, uh, but 60 meter, what's the key to winning the 60 meter? Uh, honestly, the start is, definitely the most important part just getting strong out of the blocks um 
obviously it is a short race so um you do have time to get up to your top speed but definitely out of the blocks is where um would be most important what's your uh, favorite between the 100 and the 200 um last year i would have said 100 but um this year just focusing on the 200 i want to say that i think with time that could be my event okay how long have you been in the track and field game um this will be my fifth going i guess this is my fifth year yeah so i did two years in high school and then um oh sorry i guess this is my fourth year two years in high school and then this is my second year um on the cougars track and field just uh, minusing last year with the covid year but okay so um obviously you've evolved in terms of maturing and everything like that uh, just the natural process um how much better are you today than you were when you first started? Like, uh, what's the noticeable difference? Besides, I know your body changes, but what's the noticeable difference? Um, honestly, I've improved in so many ways. Um, even as an example, my first year for the 60 meter, um, I was running 820s, um, kind of based on times. And this year, I've ran a 774. So times have improved um, a lot. And I think that mostly has to do with um weightlifting um obviously my first year we did do it but this year i've really found a passion for it um and just been obviously more consistent with it so um i think weightlifting has probably made like one of the most um important um improvements in so 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 hannah haggerty you don't skip leg day like me right you're you focus on the legs legs (laughs) is what's your what's the best what's your favorite leg exercise um, I want to say either doing a power clean or a hang clean or a squat. Okay, and what's the what's the one you hate? Um, legs or just in general? No legs. Um, honestly, I don't think I hate any leg exercises. I'm a big fan of legs, not so much upper upper arms, but um, legs I enjoy them all. Okay. Um. Yeah. So, who's the better athlete, you or your brother? Um. Well. I think that's a hard one. I think I'm interview hey, Hannah. Hannah, I'm interviewing you, not your brother. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I think just honestly, just my brother with having more experience and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, he's been in football longer than I have been in track. We've always like both been super athletic and always have grown up playing sports. But um, yeah, I want to say at this point, I'll give it to him. What's your favorite accomplishment so far? Like you've got the fifth fastest all time at the U of R in the 60 meter. I think third fastest all time in the four by 200 meter and long jump. I think the fifth longest, if I'm not mistaken, what, what's, what's your favorite accomplishment there so far? I want to say long jump. It's been something that I've always been passionate for and um, something that I've really worked um, hard on and, Last year, I was jumping 5.69 meters, and this year, um, my new PB right now is 5.80, but um, I'm hoping when I go to nationals that that will obviously improve, but um, I think just being super consistent with long jump, and I think um, how much I have improved just with, like, technique-wise and stuff, that's probably one of my best accomplishments. Okay, and so what, uh, tell us about the nationals, when do they take place, and uh, how can we follow along your exploits? Um, okay, so they are from, we leave March 28th, but they take place from April 1st to April 3rd. Um, there will be a live stream available, um, and yeah, it's in New Brunswick, mm-hmm. which is super exciting. So yeah, I'm honestly just looking forward to going and giving it my all and having no regrets. 
So are you just competing in the long jump? Is that the only event you're in, or are you in the other ones too? Um, I'm competing in the long jump. Right now I'm sitting sixth in uh, Canada right now with that, so I'm competing in that. And then also I'm a part of the 4x2 relay team, and we are sitting seventh, I believe. So, yeah, 4x2 relay team and long jump. Nice. So what's your yeah. what's a realistic goal for you, Hannah Haggerty, for the long jump as you sit fifth right now in the individual sport? What's a realistic goal? I think knowing my potential and knowing what I can jump, I don't think I have proven my potential yet. So I think a realistic goal or what I'm aiming for is obviously to medal. Um, I have had pretty good jumps. Obviously, they were false, but I know what I have in me and I know what I have to give. So I think, honestly, aiming for the podium would be a realistic goal for me. Well, I can see you're talented. You're very polite. You obviously got that from your mom, not your dad, Jeff. I (laughs) I get that. And uh, it's great that you love your brother so much. So it's cool that there's two great athletes in that household, that mom and dad have athletic genes. Thank you very much for joining us. Best of luck down east. We'll be watching, okay? Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, that's Hannah Haggerty. Cougars in the cage here on the sports cage. We are done. We're over. We're finished. Tomorrow, we got Farhan Lalji. Um, I don't know. I, I line up all these shows myself, too, so I got so many guests. Mike Kelly from the NHL Network will join us. We'll talk to Cody Mapes from the SJHL's Weyburn Red Wings as he will uh, talk about the Game 3s going on in the SJHL. So much to get to tomorrow, including our Where Are They Now Wednesday. I'll keep it a secret till then. This has been the Sports Cage for Saskatchewan Lotteries on 620 CKRM. We'll talk to you tomorrow.